As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Nine to noon. Paul Allen. Wow, wasn't that fun? Shall we begin? Hashtag Fake Radio. Alan, a superstar, bursting onto the scene. So that would be an L for today. Hey, have a seat for a second. Hold on the effect. down by Philpola. Philpola working it into the slot. Fabry trying to get free but couldn't. And now the wild break out. They've got a two on one. Here's Zucker now with a point with the shot. He scores! Zucker from the left circle. 3-2. Then it's over. All kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills but the thrill we never know is the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover. 2-1 Detroit after one. Zuccarello and Zucker combined on two goals in a minute and seven to open the second period. Give Minnesota the lead. Now Parisi jamming at the side of the net. The puck is low. They score. Parisi has his stick in the air. And the red light is on. It was right at the feet of Jimmy Howard. He just couldn't cover it up. And Parisi just kept whacking away. My jeans. I got my poor gray-haired daddy. Driving my limousine. Now it's all designed to blow our minds, but our minds won't really be blown. Got the blow that'll get you when you get your picture. It is nine to noon time. What? Bruce Boudreaux, meat grinder out of the gates. Good morning. Good morning, hashtag Faith Family. FM 100.3, it is KFAN. And the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. What's up now? <laughs> I sense a face change. Sad producer has gone from joyous producer and now once again is mad producer. But this, uh, this Dr. Hook song ain't bad right now. Cover of the Rolling Stone. Minnesota Wild head coach. Take three. Our lives. Very white collar. Good morning. Oh, yes. What's up, Paul Allen? KFAN. Bruce Boudreaux. Howdy, coach. Paul Allen, how have you been? I'm okay, Paul. How are you? Uh, quite well. A very happy Thursday to you, sir. Um, good Lord. Are you guys ever going to play again? Bruce, it seems like it's been forever. It certainly does, and it's starting to bother me. I mean, uh, you watch other teams, and any time another team plays, especially a Western Conference team, it's um, the opportunity for them to gain points while you're sitting dormant. So 
I'll be really looking forward to getting back to, uh, to playing. Especially when you're like you and like you're like me and, and we're bred to work and we enjoy, we enjoy our jobs and we enjoy the toil and we enjoy working. And like when, um, you know, unless it's an elongated period of downtime, it, it gets a little tedious, doesn't it? It certainly does. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. That's why I found myself <laughs> in the office most of these mornings. And did you get sick? What What's going on with you right now? Yeah, I get the stupid flu, too, which didn't help what? anything. So, I mean... Wait a second. It, it was at least a good time to get it on the break. Bruce Boudreaux, so you're telling me you have a practice with the kids today, a bigger practice tomorrow, a game against the Bruins Saturday night, and the players may need to be concerned about contracting influenza no, I went to the doctors yesterday, and everything is good. I mean, so, I mean, it's I'm down at the down back end of it, not at the beginning of it. <laughs> okay, no, well, fortunately, you guys wear, you, you guys wear gloves, so no handshaking. Are you, um, are you going to conduct practice today wearing a surgical mask? Um, there is no practice today. What? So, practice that we're not allowed to start practicing until tomorrow. Well, oh, what's... Well, Staylock, I think, is is on his way to the X. I mean, I think he thinks there's a practice today. Well, he'll be surprised when he gets there. <laughs> Maybe he just wants to tour the arena with his two beautiful children, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, I don't know why he'd be going to the X anyway, but uh, we're all over here at uh, Tria, or I'm here at Tria. So, uh, But, I mean, if he gets over there and he gets on the ice, I mean, he's probably looking forward to practicing and practicing knowing him as well so uh we'll we'll see how it works out well yeah i mean it's um the the saturday night game against boston i mean it's it's win that one uh then beat the speedy hawks go on a little run here start doing some damage right well that's uh, the case one of the things i've been able to do um during this break is go through every team and every team's schedule and um put things down together to see what we need to do and what has to happen for us to be a successful team. And, I mean, it's still very capable, so I'm looking forward to uh, putting it into action come Saturday night. But doesn't that cause anxiety? I mean, like, say you're looking at Winnipeg's schedule and you're like, okay, they play this bad team in a week and a half, but, like, if that bad team, because it's hockey, uh, do, you know, uh, or, or, or Winnipeg, beats all the it just causes anxiety worrying about stuff like that i know but that's what we do we worry whether we like it or not we're gonna worry so um you know i mean and you sit there and you hope and you know i mean it's like last night you're hoping that jesus washington could beat nashville at home it doesn't happen but uh, um so I was counting that as a loss and counting tonight's game that they play in New Jersey as a win. So now you're hoping that New Jersey can come back and uh, and beat them. Well, you you won the game into the break, and Boston, obviously super tough, but you're at home, and your home record is terrific. So you win that one, you win the black. I mean, may, maybe you're sitting on a six-game winning streak right now, Mr. Boudreaux. Well, I, I'm looking at it. I mean, uh, 
we play Boston, and they're in a back-to-back. Then we play Chicago, who we just, if we want to go anywhere, we have to beat that team. Um, then you come in and you play Vancouver at the end of a road trip, and then you go to Dallas, which is in your, I mean, if you want to advance, you have to, you have to embrace playing teams, uh, in your own division, and that's what, you know, and not be fear, not fear it. So, um, we're hoping, I mean, uh, that a good week is happening after the break and that the players are rested and they're excited to play again. And and uh, if we come out of this break and we do end up with a, a good little streak, we're right, we're right there. I mean, um, teams are losing. I mean, last night, you look at it, I mean, uh, Arizona lost, which is when you're looking at wild cards, Dallas lost. Uh, um, you're looking at... Uh, Calgary or Edmonton lost, uh, yes. even though it was in a shootout. But uh, uh, these things are all beneficial. They're playing games and they're not advancing. So we're going to have games in hand on all of these teams once we get out of the break. It's just, but but in the end, you have to win, and that's the doesn't really matter what the other team does. If you win, you're going to be in. So you know the the Coon Rapids team, uh, the Blue Ox, the team uh, you and your wife Crystal own. Yep. How um how was helping with the Blue Ox practices? You know what's crazy is uh, um, I was more nervous going out there and practicing with them than I would be with my team. I was up all night trying to figure out a, uh, a practice for these guys that would work, and it was crazy. I told Crystal, I said, "This is I'm." Too nervous to go out there, you know. Brady's on the ice. I gotta do all of this stuff, but uh, it worked out well. We went there for uh, was for an hour and fifteen minutes. We had a really good practice. I think the players liked it, so it was all fun. Was that was there any point of the practice where you lost your edge and fell? No. <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux, coach of the Minnesota Wild, nine to noon. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, your squad, the Blue Ox, have won five consecutive. What? Um, what if during these practices you worked the blue ox? What if you worked them too hard and they become fatigued? Well, you know, it's uh, it's funny because they don't play till this weekend. And, and I said, you guys, uh, do you want to do uh, an NHL tough skate at the end? And, well, none of them said yes, but I said, okay, we're doing it anyway. And it was a really tough skate, and they came through it. Um, I think they'll be better for it. Hopefully uh, they have three days to recover. And uh, uh, from the feedback was that they didn't have a problem with it, so it was good. So you really, during this break, Bruce, you really didn't leave the state and get some sun on your face, did you? No, I didn't go anywhere. Um, We just, uh, you know, came into the office and did some stuff as I am am now, but uh, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> hockey is, is our life, and this is what we do. So it's uh, uh, about you're either worrying about your your one son's team, or you're trying to help your other son's team, and um, that's the the, the Boudreaux family life right there. Boudreaux. All right. Well, um, well, for the boys, beginning tomorrow, vacation is over. How do we beat Boston on Saturday night? Well, I'm watching the game that we played Boston the last time, and uh, I'm going to try to find the formula that we were so we were very successful for 57 minutes last last time, and see if we can't duplicate that. What um, what what uh, what were some things where you were successful? 
Well, we were really pressuring their defense really well. Um, uh, we were jumping on all loose pucks. Uh, I think it was game 23 of the season, and we uh, probably, when they pulled the goalie and they scored a couple goals uh, on us, we were a little bit rattled. But uh, other than the, those three minutes, uh, I thought we were the better team, and we were playing, and Boston was in first place at the, uh, and they were playing great. So if we can be that excited and, and duplicate that kind of game, I think, uh, well, we got a good chance. Hey coach, you, um, you said you were looking at other team schedules and stuff like that and like prognosticating. I mean, if you're going to cast your gaze the way of the future, specifically February and any chance the trade deadline impacts how things go for you? You know what? I would love to give you an answer. I have no idea. Uh, uh, it's going to, uh, whether we make a trade or don't make a trade, it's going to impact you in one way or another because another team is either going to get stronger or weaker. Yeah. The only problem is, is in our division, uh, other than I would think that LA and maybe Anaheim or San Jose are, are the sellers at this stage. Um, and I may be wrong. I may be, you know, I'm just looking at they're all in the 40s in, in the points right now. And not that we're much better at 52, but, yeah. um, uh, they might be the sellers. Everybody else is, is still, uh, vying to get in. So I don't know if, uh, uh how much, um, how much movement there's going to be. I mean, I'm not privy to that, so uh, we just got to take care of our own selves, and if we win, we're going to be in. If we lose, we're not. Hey, Bruce, from a long play standpoint with uh, Minnesota defenseman Nick Sealer, what what does he have to do to get back on the ice? Well, it's a tough question. I mean, uh, Nick is, is a great guy, and um, I, I hate keep sitting him out right now, but in the end, what's happened is uh, uh, Carson is... is beat him out for his job as a regular and you know Greg Pattern just came back I mean he missed the first 40 some games so it's a it's a, I think we've got eight viable defensemen right now um, and it's it's just hard to find room when you've got eight last one uh, looking at the goals and the assists and the points and everything but I mean you break down the all 12 so you, you know everything about his game but Matt Zuccarello it it's it, how, how has he been for you I mean he's been really good and at the same time um uh you leave wanting for more some games but i mean uh, um he's doing what he does he's putting up numbers uh uh and when he's when he's playing good uh at the top of his game we're usually successful so i mean i'm hoping these last uh, 32 games he's at the top of his game every day he's a tremendous teammate he works hard all the time um and he's and he's very skilled uh just hasn't worked out like where he's gotten 25 goals already or what have you but i mean uh he got a great goal and assist last game and we're hoping that it continues on to the next game hey double up on that z pack eat some oranges get some rest and beat boston on saturday okay we'll do our best my friend we'll talk to you soon bye bruce bye-bye bruce boudreau the affable and loquacious coach of the Minnesota Wild jump starts 9 to noon at FM 100.3 KFAM, courtesy of TimberTech and TimberTech.com. What's on deck 9 to noon includes Nacho Lieber in studio at 10 o'clock. Excited about that. Uh, yours truly now is, from a Timberwolf standpoint, has entered the mode of I quasi-desperately want the Wolves to trade 
for guard D'Angelo Russell. And I will present that in the Corzo Covenant at 11 o'clock because he's an elite basketball mind. And Super Bowl stories today include stories from the lap of Uncle Norv Turner, a former Vikings offensive coordinator, two-time Super Bowl champion, as offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Uncle Norv is on the radio show today at 11.15. We celebrate the memory of Chris Dolman around the corner. Former Vikings cornerback Carl Lee joins 9 to noon, a radio show produced by Eric Nordquist, and I'm Paul Allen. Uh, Before we head into the Carl Lee Covenant, the producer offers this. National Cash Contest, a new keyword every hour. Text the keyword, maybe put a grand in your hand. You could win $1,000 this hour just by texting pizza to 200-200. Text pizza to 200-200. That is pizza. Text it to 200-200. A new keyword every hour just for listening to the fan. Text message and data rates apply. Hey, have a seat for a second. To noon. You're listening to PA. Your hockey team, the mm. Skatriots, and you are Bruce Belichick. We are like you. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> On the, the fan. From the end zone, Sims. Sack. That's a safety. And that is also the 13th sack in the last two games in one quarter. And he'll come from the left side of the screen. Sims is going to take a lot of time to get rid of this ball, but uh, Goldman just overpowers Jumbo Elliott. Nine to Noon continues at FM 100.3 KFAN. Welcome back to the radio presentation. Carl Lee was a cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings from 1983 to 93. He played with the late Chris Dolman all of Chris's first stint. In Minnesota, the Hall of Famer died Tuesday night due to brain cancer, and 9 to Noon continues to celebrate his memory. Carl joins us now. Carl, it's Paul Allen. How have you been? How you doing, Paul? Pretty well, man. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for taking time to join the radio show. Uh, when you... um. When, when you heard the news of Chris Dolman, um, how hard did that news hit you when you learned of it? You know, what's interesting is I had heard just a little bit about it the night before. And somewhere, Paul, like, I didn't, like, I, I didn't, I, it didn't even dawn on me to think, like, when I would wake up in the morning, I'd have all these text messages and missed calls where people had, found out that he had passed away. I, I went to bed thinking, you know, gosh, this is bad, but not thinking like he was going to, like I was going to wake up to that news. And then when I started reading my text and I saw that I'd missed a couple calls from Henry Thomas, I got on the phone with him. Well, I called him. He didn't answer. He called me back later. And it was just, it was, it was just, you know, again, coming off of the Kobe Bryant thing, I didn't know Kobe never met him, never seen him in person or anything, but it, it seemed like it was such a loss. And then all of a sudden to have Chris to be somebody who, you know, you knew, that you played with, that you, you – and I, I had seen him at, at Steve Jordan's Ring of Honor um, ceremony. Um, I knew, you know, that he was in a wheelchair. I knew that he didn't have a lot of movement in his body. But it was still, it was still Chris. It was still, he was still there. And then to to realize that, you know, he was gone. That I'll I'll come back to Minnesota, and I'll, you know, I I won't ever, I'll never see him. And 
And it just was, it was just like, it, it just sunk my soul. You know, it's, it's interesting the way you laid that out, Carl, because like you said, you didn't know Kobe Bryant. I didn't know Kobe Bryant either. Zillions of people around the world didn't know him, but he was a worldwide figure. And, you know, with that helicopter crash and the nine involved, including his daughter, the sudden nature of that is so eye-opening with, you know, potentially roots to live every day and making sure you got everything squared away because, quite honestly, you just never know when it's going to end. Now, with Chris, you know, given given the, the brain cancer in January of 2018 and subsequently the surgery in the two years, did did, did you feel with Chris like during that two years it was a very, very tough time for him? Yes, and and I, I, I because everybody everybody knew Dole, you know, and 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 the public may not have known him, but Dole was this guy. He was he was funny. He was he he was a guy that was that was a that was just a simple guy who ended up having this fame, success, and you know I don't know what his financial situation was, but I'm just going to assume that was living good, just a living a great life. And, and he was just a simple guy, you know, and, and, and he, a a guy who didn't even was fighting playing defensive end, wanted to play linebacker, you know, he, he was, he was a guy that was really high on himself and, 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 you know, most athletes are, and, um, it was just, it was just. It, it had to be tough for him to show up in a wheelchair to have literally no control of what he needed to do or wanted to do. That had to be difficult on him. But but every time that I've seen him, like even, even him cracking a joke at Steve Jordan's um, Ring of Honor ceremony goes to show who he was. And and that in spite of perhaps being like like uncomfortable in that situation to be this big human being and, and a notable figure in Minneapolis and and and, and through the through any football fan and all of a sudden be in that scenario and yet still making jokes speaks to who he is who he was and. Just goes to show that, like, he was still trying to be Chris, in spite of all of the cha- all the issues that he w- w- was fighting. Carl, in um, in in what way or ways will you remember Chris Dolman as a player? You know, he 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 came on my radio show here in West Virginia, and we were talking about the hall of fame and talking about different things around the hall of fame. And I, I did a special show yesterday because uh, the, the producer wanted me on the show and we were talking about Chris's speaking at the um, speaking on our show. And one of the things that he said was, you know, that he was hoping that one day that I, you know, or thinking that I was a hall of fame corner, I was as good as blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and in his speech, he talked about other people. And, and I think, like, Chris was, 
Chris, as a player, always would turn around to us in the secondary, hey, man, I'm almost there. Just give me just another second. You know, and he would talk about us being good. Again, he was, he was full of himself. Dole was really about himself. But he, he understood the connection between the defensive backs and the, the D-line and his success probably as good or better than most great D-linemen because he would talk to us all the time. Seeley, man, hey, dude, I'm, I'm almost there. You know, Najee, man, y'all hold him if you hold him. And when we when he get that sock, man, y'all keep it up because I can get there. I can get there. I can beat this guy. <laughs> he was, he, you know, he was, you know, he 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 was so he was so sure that how you know how good he was, and he but he also understood like if we could just do a, give him a little bit of time, he can get there. And it was just so unique about how, as a player, great player, you know, a great player would be so conscious and even to even think about the guys behind him. Mm. Well, Car- Carl, specifically on that, and, and your all-pro season of 1988, you had eight interceptions and a couple of touchdowns. Specifically in that season, how much did Chris Dolman's game assist the best season of your career? Oh, the, the, that whole D line, that whole defense had every. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, had everything to do with my success. And I'm not. I'm not take. I'm not taking any credit from you know the teachings of Pete Carroll and and how good he made me because his 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 system and Floyd Peters that group that defense we were designed for that for that type of defense for those two coaches to 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 implement that for us but I but I I don't think I get those interceptions I don't because you could not as a quarterback you could not comfortably sit in a pocket knowing that you got that D line sitting there across from me I don't care how good you thought you're offensive line was, you weren't going to be sure that that offensive line was going to prevent Dole and Millard and that group to, not to get there. And, and, and you clearly see that they got there, and then my success all kind of worked around how great those guys were. Celebrating the professional and personal life of the late Chris Dolman, who died Tuesday evening of brain cancer at age 58. And uh, this is Carl Lee, former cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings from 83 to 93. Played with Chris, all of Chris's first stint in Minnesota. A couple of quickies to close. Now, Carl... Um, you, you you mentioned the move from linebacker to defensive end and 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 fourth overall out of pit. He wanted to be the Lawrence Taylor like rushing outside linebacker, but there was a change. How quickly after the move from linebacker to defensive end did you know Chris could be a Hall of Famer and why? I, really, I think after after his after his first year, it was apparent that. You know, he was big, he was strong, he was athletic, he was fast, he had all of those tools. It was it was like clear, like if he just settled in, if he just would leave the Lawrence Taylor image out and maybe go to, you know, a Reggie White kind of mindset or, you know, a, 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 a Carl Allen Page kind of guy, 
if he would just turn his focus into that, it was easy. Um, but I'd have to say, literally, midway through the first season, you could just see – it just seemed that he was going to be dominant. It was just – it seemed like he was only going to get better. And, and I think part of that was him starting to buy into, okay, maybe this is not that bad. You know, maybe I can uh, have, a, have a career here. Because I think for the, in, in the beginning, he just wasn't sold. He did want to be that, that, that linebacker coming off the edge – you know, uh, maybe out of, out of a 3-4 kind of a front and, 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 and be that next Lawrence Taylor. But with this hand down and the speed and the quickness and the strength that he had, he was just – he was – you know, and then when, we, when, when Keith Millard got there, you know, and, and you got Henry Thomas at the nose, I mean, th- that competition between those two guys was so amazing – and they and, and, and they liked each other, mm. but the competition was so intense of who's going to get there that it was amazing. It, I mean, you can't help but be better when you got another guy that should have could have easily been a Hall of Famer, and to me, probably should be if he hadn't had the knee injury, maybe. Yeah. But um, but Chris, Chris, it was so apparent that Chris was different. Um. Been a lot of people that I had seen. I, I, I missed the Purple People Eaters, and there was some good D linemen there when I got there. But Chris was a whole nother animal all all together when he got there. And it was like, man, right. this guy's going to be pretty good. Hey, you um, know, uh, Carl, early in your run, specifically 85, the Chicago Bears had the 85 Bears defense. Offensively, they had, they had sweetness and so on. So mm-hmm. so these Bears got really good early in your run, and likewise when Chris was there. At that time, Carl, what were games against the Green Bay Packers like during your career? Um, Specifically for me, um, when Sterling Sharp, when Sterling Sharp got there, it was, it was a very interesting dynamic because um, he he was the first player that I I had actually met kind of personally, and who had and, and and I've said this to him a thousand times. He was one of those guys, like I had to play intense. Like I had to, I couldn't, I didn't want to laugh and joke and be able to do that. Sterling was that guy, and the Packer games for me became. Not as not as as intense as this rivalry that we have with them because you know I'm chasing Sterling and he's laughing and joking and making jokes about me, um, so it, it 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 lightened it for me. Um, so I didn't have all that you know. Now I'm I'm the first you know guy to say oh yeah you, when you're playing the when you're playing the uh, Packers you, you know you just hate them, but like. Like I love Sterling, you know we were so cool, and um, I did his camp, and he came worked with me when I started coaching after my career, um, and so my I didn't have the intensity and the dislike so much for the Packers as most of the players and or um, or, or the city had, you know, yeah. um, it, it, which. Now, my 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 dislike really was the Bears. Right. I mean, I I I probably hated the Bears twice as much as the Packers. Right. You know, just maybe because they had that run, and maybe because they were just that they they were good. 
and and maybe because Peyton ran over me, um, <laughs> you know, I had plenty of reasons why not to like him, you know? Hey, man, uh, great catching up with you. Thank you very much for sharing the Chris Dolman-related memories, uh, personally and or professionally. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend, and uh, thanks for the time. Okay, Carl? Thank you. Thank you very much. See you, bud. Carl Lee uh, played with Chris Dolman. All of Chris's first run here uh, with some very touching personal and professional memories celebrating the life of the late Chris Dolman. We'll be right back. It's PA. Faith is uh, belief without proof. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. Fan. California love. Win tickets to the St. Paul Home and Patio Show at St. Paul River Center February 14th through the 16th. The St. Paul Home and Patio Show is a marketplace where you can shop for home-related products and services to help inspire your next home project. KFAN.com keyword contest. Well, with Super Bowl 54 on FM 100.3, KFAN, Kevin Harlan on the call. I mean, everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl, but maybe you turn down the TV audio and fire up that elite box. Kevin Harlan. Appropriate song to have into the SB54 Who Wins and Why for Thursday. Because um, maybe reading between the lines, you know, for those of you making that I-35 South trek now somewhere before the game, maybe you are flying to the 702 and you're thinking about props and over-unders and point spreads and money lines and, and parlays and teasers and everything tied to it. You know, you... um. You need an answer. And with that Roger Troutman and Zap song, California Love, maybe 9 to noon off the lean yesterday from yours truly and a comment this morning in the score 690 as an aside from mad predicting producer, maybe we are generating synergy and consistency with California Love. Yes. Because I got a lean. You got a lean? I'm starting to have a lean. Well, how can how can you start to have a lean when with with, with the ever emotional uh forever face changing mad producer? I'm just asking, how can you have a lean when Monday Mahomes was a cinch, Tuesday you laid out myriad reasons Kansas City couldn't lose. You pulled back a tad yesterday. And now all of a sudden we might have a little California love. Direction of the wind is simply what it is. Mm-hmm. I have not seen anything, PA, and, and somebody can can tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. There is no way, simply by analyzing game logs, looking at pro football reference, and just getting deep in the weeds for five hours, there is no way, by looking at how both of these teams operate through the 2019 season in particular, that you can say that there's one analytical aspect of this game that says absolutely the Chiefs are going to win. Right. Absolutely the Niners cannot lose, you which know. is why this is a gut game. This well, is a I gut game. I, I can't I can't disagree with you completely, but I do believe when you have two weeks to think something out, and then, of course, you have pertinent injuries from title game weekend yeah. playing into SB54 Miami. 
I I do believe that eventually, if you were to make money with your mind, or you want to be the smartest Rube in the Cube listening to 9 to Noon right now, and you got that epiphany where at your lunch break today, when you get the Angus cheeseburgers from Quick Trip for two nineteen each. How about that ground beef for like a buck ninety nine a pound? Are you kidding me? Seventy three twenty three. You're Ooh. gonna you're gonna say to your coworkers, Jeff, Chad, Bossberg, I got it. Boom wins and why? Yeah. And I do believe if you're not rolling by faith, okay, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, best overall quarterback in the National Football League. Can it be disputed? No. Patrick Mahomes, better than Juicy A-Raj. Yes. Better than Tom Brady at this stage. No doubt. Khan had Phillip Rivers playing in the Arena Football League two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Alabama kid by way of North Carolina State might be looking for a new home. Yeah, I thought he was on his way up to Toronto. Coming up on News Du Nord today. Interesting to learn, Philip Rivers is signing with the Edmonton Eskimos, according to Eric Nordquist and Jay Glazer. Um, But yeah, so Patrick is the best overall in the game. Cool. So that's tangible. Now, what does he do with said skills against that front seven, Sherman, and the secondary, the way they operate? Yes. Is it conclusive? Is it factual to say he will tear up that secondary at certain points of the game, or is that rolling by faith? Because when you copyright Snoop, want to um, get your mind on the money and the money on your mind, Yep, you don't want to roll by faith. You want to roll with tangible facets, tangible factors. Yes. So is it tangible? Because I think I have one thing that's tangible. At least one, but one for now. Charge tomorrow. Huge prop, uh, prop game. In-house wagering with uh, with all three of us, no money involved. Uh, winners selected, final score selected, and the whole thing comes to a head tomorrow. That's why Mad Producer and I are trying to get squared away today. Because I mean, Charge, you know, he, he hit that fifteen to one on the Niners in in March, and now all of a sudden he's like a new age version of Eddie DeBartolo. Yeah, a cross between Eddie DeBartolo and somebody running Fort Knox with all that money. Never talk about the misses, only the hits. Yeah, so he's going to roll in here in, in genius mode, and yep. Con, Con and I got to be ready. Over, you know, an additional prop that we can play by the end of the show today is right. determine how many times he mentions <laughs> that he hit fifteen to one on the Niners in March. Uh, I'm gonna, I'd, I'd put it at two and a half early oh, on. Oh, I'm mashing the under. Yeah. No, no, it's. When the the yeah it's, it's yeah but a, you'll fix the race because he'll do it the first time probably opening segment you'll yeah. admonish him on air and he'll feel so bad about it he'll yeah. be out of the mix for ninety minutes great point so t- from a tangible standpoint will there be significant patches of this game Patrick Mahomes will tear up this defense I have a hard time saying that's tangible I mean what part of what he does so well is he escapes the pocket, buys time with his legs. We saw that rushing touchdown he had against the Titans, all of those things. Mm -hmm. He's going against the most suffocating, disciplined pass rush in front seven in the NFL in 2019. A team, by the way, that's only gotten healthier and better through the playoffs. It's a very rare circumstance in which they're able to say that. D. Ford, I know he's nicked up, but he's going to be fine. He's going to play. Not to mention he has two games under his belt, plus mm-hmm. the two weeks to prepare for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Bosa, Armstead, and Buckner and all those guys up front, and they are the best tackling team in the NFL. It is difficult for me to say, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. that it's tangible right. that Mahomes is going to have 
a quarter and a half or two quarters of this game where he just cannot be stopped. Here is what I believe is tangible. Okay. okay? Now, the first one has a little bit hashtag by faith. I do believe, because of the way they operate against the defense they're facing, I believe San Francisco will be able to orchestrate a run and short passing game well enough to keep the Mahomes-led offense off the field. Yes. I believe that's tangible. I also believe this is factual. San Francisco has a better run defense. Factual? I would agree. Kansas City's been hot. Okay. Kansas City, since they allowed 225 Week 10 to the Titans in that loss in Tennessee, they've averaged 93 yards allowed per game. They've been very stout against the run. Kansas City has. So maybe there's more by faith with this than, than I believe. San Francisco has the better pass rush. Absolutely, yes. Tangible. San Francisco has the better running game. Yes. Tangible. Robbie Gold is more trustworthy than the Butker bit. I think it's tangible. He missed eight kicks early on in the year, then he missed a couple of games. Regular season for show, Super Bowl for dough. Big sweat in Miami. Right. I could go with that. Uh, you think it's tangible? I'd, I'd pick the veteran over Butker, sure. Uh, what uh, What does next level Shanny have up his sleeve? Mm. You see, that's where we are now. Because the 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 traps and the use check card and the way they use their running backs and the play action early and down specifically, deep diving the Super Bowl a little bit yesterday when Jimmy Garoppolo goes play action on first, specifically first down, or second down, passer rating, astronomical. Yep. Completion percentage, astronomical. Because you get teams, specifically super special spags, selling out for that run so hard, yeah. they go play action, you get the wrong guy biting, there's your guy Debo Samuel for 13. Well, and that's where we go back to Kyle Juszczyk, where I think of oh. his 24 or 25 catches, yeah. 17 of them were on first and 10 or in situations like that, right. where you do sell out for the run, and suddenly, oh my God, the $4 million fullback is 23 yards to the positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, We have Super Bowl 54 uh, analysis to continue around the corner. Elite football mind. Ben Lieber is in studio. Uh, We will discuss Super Bowl 5-4 with Nacho Man. And um, also get into some pertinent Minnesota Vikings-related off-season topics. 955-9-to-noon. Good morning. It's PA. You know, I remember when you were just on a crummy little AM signal. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to... Featured Fish Time, courtesy of Ballard's Resort. It's the Featured Fish of the Day. Every day we unveil a new Featured Fish. And of course, tomorrow, cue to call if you're the 11th caller and you can name all four of this week's fish in order. You get two nights lodging and a full day of winter angling for a total of four people at Ballard's Resort. Go to BallardResort.com, learn more about one of the coolest spots in the region, and make a reservation, or just write this down. Today's featured fish, the Sauger. Again, today's fish, the Sauger. S-A-U-G-E-R. Pen and a pad, write it down, be ready to call tomorrow, and set the hook for Ballards. Main man Nacho Lieber in studio. Uh, His website is BenLieber.com. 
Uh, you can learn about Young Benjamin, uh, view the portfolio, and if you are interested in winning from within, uh, click on Speaking, and uh, Ben will get back to you, and uh, maybe you guys can make some plays and put some things together. That is BenLieber.com via Twitter. He is at Nacho Lieber. Weekly guest, 9 to noon. That's W-E-E-K-L-Y, not W-E-A-K-L-Y. We're not like laying them out. Techie mm. here, Lieber there, Burke here, Greenway there. Nah, he's a weekly guest. He's an elite football mind. He joins us now. Uh, Super Bowl 54. Uh, who do you like in Super Bowl 54 and why? And a good morning. Uh, good morning. And it's funny because I'd never thought about that connotation of weekly guests no being weak. Yeah. Like meek. Right. Not well, strong. Yeah, I mean, there was a time, and uh, you weren't on the team, but uh, due to injuries or defections or whatever, Gerald Hodges was a weekly linebacker for Mike Zimmer's defense. Sure. So you can read between the lines as to whether he showed up and played weekly or he played weekly with that A, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, to answer your question, hail Chiefs, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, all, uh, I'm all Chiefs. Um, hail Chiefs, though. Hail Chiefs. Like, if you had no NFL affiliation, couldn't care less about it, which which you don't. I mean, you're a sideline analyst, college football announcer, stuff like that. So I don't know what the particulars are with you having your mind on the money and the money on your mind. But, like, if you were in Las Vegas at a Nacho Lieber big Super Bowl party. Oh, big Super Bowl party. Champagne, bourbon oh, everywhere. Yeah. And at a Pac-Man Jones, the whole thing. Yeah. And there, there, were, there was legal wagering. Is it hail Chiefs enough? To make a massive play, middle play, or just a small one to enjoy the game. Uh, because I don't bet that often I would make a massive play on the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. I, I would make up for my, my year my year of not really sports betting yeah. and then be like Yeah. There you go. Well your entire Fat betting stack on the Chiefs. Your entire betting existence involves the Power Trip morning show and Power Trip bets tweeting about it. Yeah, that's, that's it. The whole thing. That's it. Twenty bucks here, fifty bucks okay. here. Uh, but I, if I was in Vegas, I'd go Chiefs, and I and I think that do we like or love the Chiefs? Um, I I do like the Chiefs. I, I don't love the Chiefs, um, but I do think that there is just a little bit more firepower on the outside, and I I feel like the game's going to play out to where with Spagnolo's defense, which I've talked about in the past. Yeah, you don't I, respect. I, it. I don't. I, I listen. <laughs> I, I have to look at it from a from a true analytical standpoint and watch. They have gotten better, mm-hmm. and if their if their defense has done anything, it's drastically improved from the midway point of the season until now. And going with that theme, I don't think they always start the fastest. And I think that this game can play out to where it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a nail biter if you're a Chiefs fan in the first and second quarter. But I will give him credit; his his teams tend to adjust really well in the second half, and yeah. they kind of figure out, all right, well, what's going on here? How can we fix this? Maybe we can simplify this. Um, I think there's going to be a feeling out period. I won't be surprised if if uh, San Fran has some success, especially with all their cute little motions and shifts and getting guys and getting their speed guys going on the outside and you know jet sweeps and all that stuff. It's going to look explosive, but I do think the Chiefs are going to adjust. I think they're going to ultimately win this game in the second half, and and I think that you can absolutely pick on Richard Sherman. No reason why you can't. Shy away from him. Whoa! How are you going to do that? Speed, man. Yeah. He just, but how are you going to get that speed going if you got DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa up and up in your mix? Extending plays with Mahomes. Yeah. This is what he does. Off schedule though. Off schedule though. Outside the pocket though. 
<laughs> Lofted up to the speed, though. Yes, yes, yes. Sammy. I know. I know you're Sammy you're hot. Watkins. You're hot on the 49ers. And, and, well, and the I'm thing not is, loving well, the 49ers. But can like anybody him. around the country really fall in love with either, either one of these teams in the Super Bowl right no. now? No, Khan just pointed that out. He's dead right. You can't. No. I mean, it's it's uh, you have your emotional attachments. Mm-hmm. Of course, you get people. You get the fan bases outside of those two teams, mm-hmm. and ninety nine percent of the country is like eh, coin flip. I can yeah. see this thing going either way. Yeah, that's the point spread at, at Kansas City minus one. Now, as point spreads would go, Las Vegas is, is Las Vegas, and, and those setting point spreads are generally pretty sharp with their initial lines because they know if they, if they miss on a line like the public and the wise guys in the squares have mm-hmm. felt uh, on which they missed, then they potentially could lose millions of dollars. So uh, the over-under in this game started right after the title games at 51. Well, it's up to 54. I mean, that sucker went from 51 to 53, 53 and a half. Lickety split last week. So those who think they're in the know think this will be a higher-scoring game. Do you? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be a super high scoring. I would under so, all the way. Yeah. If I if I were a betting person, mm-hmm. uh, fat stack on the Chiefs mm-hmm. and a fat stack <laughs> on the under. Okay. Well, you would be getting, as they say in the business, a good number. It started. You know, the those learn the learned people setting the number mm-hmm. said fifty one, and we think we'll get even. Vegas doesn't care who wins or if it goes over under. Right. Vegas cares about equal action and scooping the 10% juice. So when you lay a 51 and Mattress Mac from Houston bets $9 million and you get X amount of people just moving it up like that, it now is to the point where those in that business need this to be a game of the underwhelming variety. So they, uh, they, they kind of side with you. Yeah, well, they're smart, you know. They're going to side with me on all that stuff. How How... In what ways do you believe Kansas City can slow this freight train? It's a freight train, and yeah, you, you can't dispute it. And as I pointed out to Mad Producer the last, the last week in change, outside of a patch of a game against Atlanta where Niners were down significant corners, Kittle might not have played either. Atlanta came in there, targeted Julio 20 times. He had 13 receptions, yeah. caught the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. Outside of patches of that game, San Francisco has not played a bad game all year. Yeah. Every sing and and the last two have been of the freight train variety. So how I mean, do you want to be in front of that freight train? How you stop this freight train? Well, if, if I know that I know that Spagnola is going to look at those games and see what what is the common denominator, what gave this offense fits, and to me, it's there. There obviously is symmetry between the two defenses. They're both they both are from the 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 Pete Carroll Seattle. Defense. It's a it's a lot of single high. It's a lot of cover three. And right. when you and you, when you play predominantly cover three defenses, you have a bunch of guys underneath in coverage. Mm-hmm. And and the teams that are really good with that and they understand the spacing for all the underneath coverage. Yeah, you can shut down all the the cute motions, the, li- the little the little dump passes, all the all the the little things underneath that Jimmy G likes to do. As long as you can tackle well underneath, you're going to give this offense fits, mm-hmm. and and you're and by the nature of a cover three, you're going to put more guys in the box. And so, it comes down to they're going to have the numbers if they can replicate doing that cover three sort of scheme, and they right. feel like Sorensen is is a good enough guy that he can be a, a center fielder, and you feel pretty comfortable down there. And you feel like Honey Badger can be that guy that can be the roaming guy uh, and and be that that look 
then I think they can shut this offense down, at least contain them to, to allow their offense a lot of opportunities to go over the top. In that uh, upset victory by Atlanta at Levi Stadium, uh, Khan tells me Kittle had 13 catches for 134 yards, and they still lost. Oh, oh my God. Kittle, 13-1-3-4, and you lose the game. Holy cow. Nacho Lieber in studio, Ben Lieber, benlieber.com. Now, um, from an offensive standpoint, and, and you mentioned the window dressing and the tricks and the mm-hmm. motion and – and the, the fullback Kyle Juszczyk is terrific. Awesome. He's a terrific football player. What is next level with the way Kyle Shanahan runs that offense? Well, next level. Mm-hmm. I Like different and tough to well, stop. I would say the reason why it's tough to stop, again, it's not an offense that's new. You know, this is a this is an old school sort of approach to to like it's zone blocking. It's yes, there's some there's some shifts and there's some motions and the defense has to stay on their toes. I would say what makes this offense unique is the speed at which they operate. Mm-hmm. They have so many fast guys and they all move in unison. And you talk about use check. Okay, it's pretty standard to have, well, it used to be standard to have a fullback in the backfield. Maybe you don't see it very much anymore in the NFL, um, which also can play to their advantage because you're having base personnel out there. He's also sort of that that true uh, H-back because what is he? Is he a tight end? Is he a fullback? Uh, they will split him out. So there are matchups b- just based on the true personnel. I think the way he moves is difficult. When he when he takes a counter step to his right or left and he goes the opposite direction, it's so fast. Mm. Um, the defense has to honor every single one of his twitchy movements, and fullbacks just don't move with that sort of speed and that short area quickness. Right, and And it really gets the defense – on their heels a little bit, gets them guessing one thing. And I think their offensive line is they're, they're quick, they're aggressive, um, they can get up to second level very well. So I don't think that there's anything that he uniquely does. I think he has these guys playing at a really high octane, and they play at a high octane for, for every snap of the game. That was unbelievably stimulating. Wow, what a great NFL mind. So with all that said, with the quick twitch and, and the fullback and everything and, and the traps and the zone blocking, Jimmy Garoppolo, what do you expect from Jimmy Garoppolo in a game like this? Uh, I think that he he's going to have to show – well, he's not going to have to. Let, let's put it this way. They, were gonna, they are going to dictate what he does based on how the running game goes. Um, if they could – if Kyle could call a game in which he only throws 15 passes – and they win the game, yeah. then that's that's all it takes. Well, he's basically done that two consecutive that's, games. Exactly. So if they can stick with that blueprint and yeah. allow the running game and the offensive line to do all the work, yeah. well, he may not have to do anything. So to think that Garoppolo has to come in and prove anything, right. I don't think he has to prove anything. Um, their offense just has to play efficiently, and they have to get the run game going. If they get that shut down, mm-hmm. well, then, of course, we're gonna. everybody's excited to see What's he going to do? Can he win the big game when the offense needs him? Yeah. They haven't needed him so far in the postseason. He's got to take some shots over the top. Um, you, you just have to do that. Going going back to what Atlanta did, going back to what Seattle did, you're going to have to get those guys to respect the deep game because if not, they're just going to crowd the box and they're going to try to stop the run and they're yeah. going to have a single high safety and they're going to play a, a press on the outside with their corners and uh, and they're going to be like, I dare you to throw into tight windows. He's going to have to make some clutch throws. Wow, you make some compelling points. My San Francisco lean is now a San Francisco-like nod. Man, we got to get this thing squared away by the feast tomorrow when Charge comes in here. 
I mean, I know you were just getting clipped on by Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, so you probably weren't listening closely. It was one of the rare times in which it was positive conversation. I understand, so I'm but a never bit well, struck well, by it. Well, well, with that case, it's a clipping penalty where the flag was picked up. Yes, correct. But nevertheless, it was a clipping penalty. He just made some very, very cogent Kansas City Chiefs-related opinions here. Uh, Benjamin, last one on this. Uh, Kansas City has beaten two AFC South teams. So you don't think their path to the Super Bowl has been relatively easy? And I'm not making the 10-win Vikings and or Green Bay Packers sound like the 27 Yankees or 85 Bears. Mm-hmm. But they steamrolled HOFA, Raj, and, and steamrolled, with all due respect, to Zimmer defense. I think that's a tougher path than beating Houston and then getting up on Tennessee and being like, holy cow, uh, the the Titans can't throw the ball. They can't come back, you know? Yeah, I, I hear all that. <clears throat> I think that they are I think that they are clicking at the right time. I mean, this is a this is a, a team, you know, much like the Saints had to deal with an injury for a, a, a middle part of their, their season and he didn't know what, what was gonna happen. And I would say credit to them. I think they are battle tested because of those situations that right. that they've they had to lean on backup quarterback situation. They've they had to figure out ways to win that doesn't involve Patrick Mahomes. Right. And and so maybe they're not battle tested in the playoffs. That's a great point. But I think that they're battle tested in a way that they're scrappy. They're gonna find a way to win. If yep. things don't work out and the original plan is not there, they're okay being flexible. Ben Lieber, BenLieber.com. Question for Ben around the corner as the Vikings head into 2020. The chances he believes the team actually may be without. Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, and Riley Reef. It's very controversial. It's around the corner, but first. National Cash Contest, a new keyword every hour. Just for listening to 9 and Noon in the Fan, every hour you have a chance to win $1,000. You could be like Eric in Lakeville or Becky in Chaska. We've had so many winners just because they listen to the fan, you can be the next one by texting SUPER to 200-200. Text SUPER to 200-200. SUPER to 200-200. National Cash Contest. Put a grand in your hand. Text message and data rates apply. It's PA. Time for two more. Weekdays 9 to noon on the fan. Load it now. This is your 9 to noon clip of the week presented by Sport Clips. Hits the rim. He gets it back. Takes to the rim. De'Aaron Fox has tied the game at 119-119. The Sacramento Kings, who trailed by as many as 27 tonight, have come from behind from the third time this year from 20 or more down to get a victory. That's your Sport Clips Clip of the Week, courtesy of Sacramento Kings Radio, 1140 AM KHTK. Thank you to Sport Clips, sportclips.com. Wish I had more positive audio for you, but the Wolves blew a massive game in disastrous fashion. That's your Sport Clips Clip of the Week. And you can enter to win your shot. Had a pair of tickets to see Rammstein, August 30th at the U.S. Bank Stadium. Rammstein, August 30th at the U.S. Bank Stadium. You might win a pair of tickets if you go to KFAN.com. Keyword contest. The winter is coming. Winter is coming. But winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone. Now, Ben Lieber, BenLieber.com, Nacho Lieber Twitter. 
Uh, given the Vikings' precarious salary cap situation, all of the pertinent facts an elite football mind like yours would know. Cousins, Dalvin, into final years of deals. If they want to keep Kirk, restructure Kirk, get some money now, be able to, to re-sign some guys now maybe, or, mm-hmm. or, or dabble in free agency. That's a big if. I mean, that's, you look at the, look at the history of Kirk Cousins and contracts. Washington couldn't come together, franchise. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Washington, from what I understand, did not try to come together with him on a, on a long-term bid, but we're, we want you, so franchise. And then the unprecedented three-year guaranteed bid here. Mm-hmm. So you know all that. So I think it's an if. Now, with all that known, do you think there's a chance the Vikings head into 2020 without Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, and Riley Reef? A chance, and if that's the case, what do you think? Well, there's a chance. I don't think there's a chance that all all of them will be off the team. I think starting kind of in reverse order, I think Riley stays on the team. Um, I know that there are rumors about what can he slide inside to left guard. Do there are rumors see? on that because you're the first person I I heard say it. Well, after the Niners game, and and now that I'm farther removed from it, thought it out, speculated. Mm-hmm. Um, a, I think you're accurate, and B, I like it. That that was a fantastic take by you. Um, well, thanks. Um, if if that's true, then I think you're you're also kind of putting yourself in a precarious situation because you know left tackles just aren't like laying around on the street, and right. and to draft one, it's it gets kind of dicey as well. O'Neal left tackle, um, possible. You know, I God, I just really like him as a right tackle. Um, he's not a he's not a big framed guy, and I say that in an, in an offensive lineman sense. I'm not sure how much thicker that he can get. Right, he's just always going to be this felt, you know, uh, athletic guy with good feet. But in the Kubiak bit, isn't it cool? T- isn't it okay to have a left tackle like that? Mm, sure, and Ole yeah. U- Ole Udo right tackle. Okay, I I could. Or maybe I, I, keep O'Neal on the right side because maybe you draft a left-handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like that take. Um, I, I so we can kind of slice and dice it anyway. But I think I think he does stay on the team. He is under contract. Yes, it's a sizable amount. But I think that what else are you going to do at that at that spot? I do think Xavier Rhodes um, is. Played himself out of a, a deal here. I just don't see him. I don't see much more life uh, on this team. And with Linval, I think that he probably stays on the team. You have to find some way to to lower the contract and, and maybe spread that out, that out a little bit. I understand that his role is maybe to be a plugger type guy. Linval's thirteen in the next year. Thirteen million. It's a mean, lot. That's a fat net. It's it's a it's a fat number, but. If he if you feel like that he can maybe give you what you want and he's doing the things behind the scenes, that's the tough thing is you know they they're asking not so much to be that that penetrator type of guy, but but to hold up gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a problem with the defense and how it uses their three technique, how it kind of in general the interior of their defensive line I think needs to improve and get a little bit more athletic. Now, does that mean that that Linval just becomes a spot player and you find somebody else, you find a way to kind of spread that cash out a little bit? Um, because he can at times be a dominant player. It's just how dominant can he be at that price tag? How many reps is he going to get? 
where's that balance? Because I think you, I think you're in that world now where you're you're sort of counting reps and your your load quote unquote load management with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does it make sense contract wise? Um, I think with I think with Everson, I would love to see him on this team. You know, this is a defense that I think needs a, somebody with some juice like that at times. He can bring that. I think there's value in that on the emotional component of that. Um, he clearly can do some more damage still. Again, he's a guy that's probably going to be seeing decreased reps. Um, it's a heavy price tag, and it's a lot of money to pay for a guy that's that's decreasing in age or decreasing in production a little bit. Yeah. But I like him on the team. So um, of the three or the four guys that you brought up, I only see one right now that's truly, truly probably going to be off the team. Nacho, we... But we, we will let the offseason play out, and we will see what happens with the quarterback if there's some form of extension that frees money this mm-hmm. year. As of right now, assuming there will be some form of extension with the quarterback and not knowing the particulars, I, I'm I'm not being a, a doomsayer here. I don't see any way they can retain Anthony Harris, mm-hmm. Trey Waynes, and or Mackenzie Alexander. And that's not necessarily like they want all of them, but I don't see how you can't want Anthony back. I just can't see it happening if he's at like a an 11 to a 13 a year type safety and extend Dalvin, you know, into the final year of his deal, which could lead to Dalvin being like, well, I mean, I'm not coming around until something is done to protect me playing a position at a high level where the lifespan of said position is two and a half to three and a half years, you know? Yeah, Dalvin's tricky, man. Dalvin's a tricky one because he is so special. But if I'm if I'm if I'm putting my myself in a position to write the checks and I'm looking at can this can this guy am I gonna write this check for sixteen weeks? based on him playing for 16 weeks, and I'm talking health here, right. it's hard for me to do that. Right. And production-wise, no doubt. When he's on the field and he's healthy, no doubt. But there was clearly a drop-off towards the back end of the season that obviously had to do with his, his chest injury, which is not going to linger into next season. But it's just, okay, there was a little bit of injury issues at, at Florida State, and now there's some injury issues in the NFL. We all see that he's a dynamic player, how do you weigh what to pay him and and what's fair? And I think this organization has done a tremendous job of being loyal to their players and taking care of their players when, when it's needed. But he's in, a, he's in a running back position in which the NFL just deems as, as expendable, uh, not highly uh, a highly functioning part of the contract situation. Um, but he's, he's really good. You know, well, and, and and this offense runs really well with him. Right. So I I don't know what they do. I if he has this if he has a, a bad attitude about it and says I'm not playing without a contract in my final year, and he and he grandstands a little bit, then I think you're going to have some trouble. But if he's like, I get it, I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I'll play this year out. Maybe you don't have to do anything in this year and just right. kind of wait. Well, Niners run first operation in the Super Bowl might win the Super Bowl. I and, and and I've brought this up multiple times, but but it is a convenient way to look at it and be like, well, they're doing it, so we can do it too. With with Coleman, Mostert, and Breida, mm-hmm. those three with Usechek, by the way. All right, Usechek is mm-hmm. part of this bit, and he's four and a half million dollars a year, and they're getting their money's worth from him. But the aforementioned three tailbacks are two point five million dollars in salary, but. 
that I'm not going to say next level Shani caught lightning in a bottle with this, but he found a way to make it work because when he concocted what he wanted to do with the running game, they gave a lot of money to Jarek McKinnon, which would be six and a half million a year. So at one point he felt he needed that and had to pay for it, you know, but from a serendipitous standpoint, no McKinnon, but no problem. Things have been fine. So the long play here in a copycat league, if you're looking at what they're doing and how they're doing it and not paying their backs a lot, okay, you have you have Madison. I think as the Brita here, I think Amir Abdullah could be that guy. Amir Abdullah or Mike Boone, I would say Amir, or you draft one. You still need another, and man, it's tough as good Dal- as good as Dalvin is uh, to 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 just let something like that eventually walk away. Man, I think it's very tricky. Um, I think it all comes down to looking at this from a scouting standpoint. What is what is this organization? What has Rick and his staff done really well? They have they've scouted a lot of really good players at different positions. Um, I think that there is. Um, it sounds like. And it looks like offensive line maybe the probably the leak the weakest part of their 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 evaluations. But boy, have they hit on receivers! Boy, have they hit on defensive linemen! Boy, have they hit on linebackers! Boy, have they hit on safeties! And you look at running back; they have really hit on the development of running back and looking at specific traits yeah. for this football team. You bring you bring up Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was a, was a triple option quarterback at at what Georgia Southern. Um, they brought. A lot of teams probably didn't see that he could be that type of bell cow back and be a lead back. Well, the Vikings did. Great point. And and they found Alexander Madison out, yeah. of, out of Boise State. Now and now at Boise State, he probably was a little bit more of a uh, a, a bigger. You know, he didn't have to rely on so much of his footwork. Yeah. But within this one year with Palomalu. He's developed tremendous footwork. And Latavius was plotting in Oakland. Okay, He, he was plotting in Oakland. He was plotting, the, and in 2017, that Latavius Jarek thing was perfect. was great. And and now they now they looked at Dalvin Cook, and I know that a lot of teams love Dalvin Cook out of college, but there was a little bit of an off-field red flag that, that got vetted out. And everybody that – I remember the draft show when we were talking about uh, when we picked him up – there was all this backdoor, um, you know, investigation stuff, and everybody at Florida State said, like, there's no problem with this guy. There was one minor dust-up in which he wasn't really even a part of. Right. His name gets dragged into this, and it's, and it's carried on. Their staff, their their communication staff said he was the best guy on the team when it came to handling media and being gracious and whatever. There's not a there's not a character issue with this guy. So the Vikings, obviously, like a lot of other teams, got a steal with him. They're really good at evaluating running backs, amongst a bunch of other positions. Do you rely then, in this situation, okay, we're up against it in the cap, this has got to happen, this has got to happen, we can't pay you, or can you wait until you, you play out your final your final year of your contract, we'll see where you're at health-wise, we'll yeah. see where you are with this offense, then maybe we'll, we'll evaluate it. If that doesn't come to fruition, I have all the faith in the world, they're going to find somebody, because they're really good at it. Um, last one, and it goes to the defense. Need your opinion now. It's the plan January with an opportunity to change it. Once we're on the exclusive Vikings Radio Network perch overlooking the perfectly manicured practice fields in July slash August. Do you think Zimmer calls the defense next season with co-offense, uh, defensive coordinators? You got co-coordinators, Adam Zimmer and Andre Patterson. I wonder if that plays into Mike not calling the defense next year. And better focusing or or focusing more 
on everything transpiring during the game. Um, and would it bug you if you didn't call the defense? Would it bug me? No. It, it, I mean, well, in, in a way it would bug me that, again, we've talked about this when, when all the stuff was going down on the offensive side of the ball and, and Stefanski leaving and who's got what. As long as there's a defined role, you know, now you've got, you have two two defensive coordinators by title. Yeah. Okay, what's what's that mean on game day? What's that look like in the course of the week? Who's handling what? Who's got third downs? Who's got blitz packages? Who's got whatever? That's all going to be defined. On game day, if it's muddy, it's not going to work. I actually think that with Kubiak now being the head guy on offense, now he, now Zim can really peel away from the offense. Now he can really just be like, they're good. Yeah. Like, I trust everything that's going on there. Probably a little bit over, over the shoulder of Stefanski just to make sure, hey, what are you doing here? What are you thinking here? A little bit more micromanaging. Now I think, if anything, I think he almost takes over more ownership of the defense than this, this last year because he trusts the guy in offense. So I, I do think that he's going to call plays. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some times in some games where he'll let Adam call some plays because that's just what dads do. You know, right. that's that's you know, <laughs> he's he's grooming his son and he wants right. his son to have an opportunity. We're, we're, we're trying to get to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl five five. It's not daycare, man. I mean, yeah, but you know how this league works. Yeah, I mean, there's I there's a, there's a point in time where you know you're you're specifically want to take care of your own child and you want to you want him to be this this great coach and you want to help yeah. him on his on his coaching arc. Well, the only way you can really do that is to give him the reins on some some yeah. games and let him call some plays. And, and then Andre's him... like mother. Yeah, and and then you know maybe they maybe they uh they they flip-flop on that as well. Maybe yeah. maybe Andre's got one game and then Adam takes the next game. Right. Uh you're the best. Enjoy the game. See you next week. All right, man. See you. Ben Lieber, benlieber.com. Uh stories from the lap of Uncle Norv Turner about uh, 35 40 minutes from now. Former Vikings offensive coordinator, two-time Super Bowl champion Norv Turner uh, with Super Bowl stories today. Uh, That takes place in the final hour of the radio show. It's 9 to noon. It's PA. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. F-A-N. News Denord. And it's brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino, Poker, Blackjack, Table Games, all year round, starting early next month, I believe. Canterbury College is in the mix. So everything is happening at Canterbury Park, including live racing just a couple of months from now. Go to CanterburyPark.com for all the details. Number one. As we start News Denord, we'll start in the NBA, the Knicks and Grizzlies last night. Uh, the Knicks getting blown out by the visiting Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, tempers flared right in the final minute as the Grizzlies were up 24-106. to 106. Jay Crowder gets the steal. That's great. But then he attempts, say he steps back to take a three in the final seconds off an errant inbounds pass by Julius Randle. And Alfred Payton, apparently taking offense to it, just runs up, shoves Crowder into the first row of the courtside seats, and everybody came together in melee-like fashion. Mm. I think the free throws were eventually hit after several flagrants and uh, ejections were divvied out. Uh, apparently, after the game, Grizzlies players were saying there was no hot water uh, and that there was no water in the showers Whoa. following the game. Uh, there is speculation of intentional trolling by uh, by the Knicks organization. Right. Uh, but Marcus Morris, on the losing side of things for the Knicks, 
those that uh, follow fantasy basketball closely will know well uh, Mr. Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, he had to say this about Jay Crowder shooting that three at the end of the game. He played the game in a different way. Like you just a lot of female tendencies on the court. Flopping and just throwing his head back the entire game. And like I said, man, it's a man's game, and you just get tired of it, man. And then, obviously, at the end, I was very unprofessional. They went in the game. It's a good team. And, you know, he does stuff like that, man. When you say unprofessional, are you referring to the steal at that point as a kind of code that you don't go for those plays late like that? No, the steal was cool. You got the steal. It is what it is. But when you step back and shoot a three, you know what I'm saying, and try to, you know, low-key, like, rub it in that they're winning, you know. It's just unprofessional, man. It's soft. His game is soft. He's soft. It's just, you know, that's how he carried me, man. You know, it's just very womanlike. So, Marcus Morris uh, saying that Jay Crowder has uh, female tendencies. Yeah. He's soft. Well, he we've, is... we've learned that female t- tendencies involve flopping, throwing your head back, rubbing it in, being soft. Those are all female tendencies and or being woman-like. Now, the thing is, though, however, is the concept... I mean, first of all, you're getting absolutely smoked at home. Your team is not good. Uh, Marcus Morris may be one of the more productive players on said awful team that is led by what most would consider to be a hideous owner in James Dolan. Um Let's not. Let's maybe not go that, that go down that road. I'm curious what social media thinks of, of nah. him comparing Jay Crowder uh, with female tendencies and woman like uh, related nah. bits. I couldn't care less. I mean, uh, I, I heard it when Marcus Morris said it after the game. I watched the clip no fewer than eight times. It's very interesting to watch because you just never see things like that. Um, I my Marcus Morris's opinion of Jay Crowder or talking the way he talks means zero to me. The social media reaction to what he had to say means less than zero to me. I understand. So that, that you know, and I understand why you played it, because, I mean, it's it's unique, and it's news yeah. du Nord-esque. Yeah, I mean, Mar- Marcus Morris's opinion on anything means zero to me. Correct. Okay, so therefore, that's done. Yeah, yeah. Social media ripping him or praising him means less than zero to me, so that's done. Jay Crowder knows, in a game like that, where you're blowing somebody out and you purposely step back and shoot a three, that breaks the code. Now, what Alfred Payton did is suspension-worthy. I mean, Payton took a full run at him, and now this is a Louisiana Lafayette kid. Alfred, he's a tough sucker, and Jay is chiseled. Jay's a big guy who's chiseled. You look closely at this thing. Alfred took a run at him, pushed him down hard, Alfred was like, let's go. Yeah, he didn't back off. No, and Jay did. Okay, so Jay wanted nothing to do with this. Jay, this burly power forward, wanted nothing to do with Alfred Payton. Look more closely at it. Cutest facet of the whole thing. Rookie Ja Morant comes running in. Marcus Morris with his left arm. Now, Marcus, Markeith's twin. Okay, Marcus, Marcus is a tough guy. Marcus is a strong, very tough, at times, combustible player. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to mix it up with Marcus Morris in any circumstances. John Morant comes running into the clump. Watch Marcus Morris push him off to the side with his left arm. I saw, yeah. And he went five feet, and then Ja just quickly went yeah. behind like five people. I'm out on this. All right, now another. I mean, this this is what makes these things interesting to watch, and and why you need to watch them multiple because there are so many things that are happening. I can't remember the name of the Memphis coach. He comes sprinting into the middle of the bed. Yeah. Okay, puts his hands on Julius Randle. 
Now, Julius, I mean, you, the, they play for the Knicks. They lose every game. They're getting killed. Yeah. Somebody just rubbed it in. And Julius Randle is another guy, if you just like prognosticate how a fight would go with him, he's one that I really don't want to mess with either. Yeah. So now Julius wants to go after the Memphis coach. Now, Nick Security, Alfred gets gets loose from Nick Security. Now he wants to go after Jay again. Yeah. Jay's just backing up a little bit. Jay wants nothing to do with him. Correct. And the dichotomy and the breakdown of everything that transpired it is ridiculous. Crowder broke the code. You just don't do that whether you're playing Wednesday night at Central Middle School with Ron Johnson in his Chan Hassan Lifetime League or in the NBA. If you're killing somebody, you don't shoot a three. But do we know if something happened earlier in the game? Might have. Because Alfred was already in route to either swat that thing or foul him in the first place. Yeah. And there was it almost felt like and, and I've watched Jay play a little bit. Yeah. He's a guy that can do some great things offensively mm-hmm. at times, but yeah. he's a role player. He stands yeah. around. Yeah. But what if he's John a little bit? Okay. Well, then uh, the the way I look at it personally speaking, maybe it's not for everybody. If if that's the case, I don't care what anybody has said or a little elbow I took in the key middle of the third quarter because somebody was pissed off. I'm not doing that. I'm going to be the bigger person in the situation. Sure. Get out of Madison Square Garden with a victory and move on to the next game. I understand. Jay decided to step back and shoot a three. Alfred was like, nah. Alfred killed him. <laughs> and if they had fought one-on-one, uh, we we would we would have cashed. Because Crowder, because of his size and the fact that he's bigger than Alfred, Crowder comes into that thing minus 280. We Here's what we would have done. Plus money on Peyton. We would have gone to the Planet Hollywood um betting desk yes and said we want ten dollars on alfred payton plus 240 and we want you to push the button until all of clark county is out of paper <laughs> and we never would have worked again yeah so it alfred absolutely went pear-shaped needs to be suspended jay crowder screw you man i mean you're winning by multiple double digits right at the end don't don't throw up a three in somebody's face if that's disrespectful too haven't heard anything on specific suspensions. Yeah. I would imagine that at least a couple people will be missing a game or two. Yeah, why well, can't uh, following that? And, and I, I mean, Cat missed two games with the Embiid melee, so yeah. there's got to be games thrown out at, the, at this one. Well, I mean, Alfred for what he did. That that's you know, sorry, sorry for the mailman, but this is probably a week. I mean, it's probably four or five games. But um, you know, I'm looking forward later today to getting onto Twitter as we sweat uh, League Freak is Life. Yeah. And getting Marcus Morris's opinions on global warming. <laughs> you know, just so I, I can take those into one. the Friday football feast and, like, use them as ammo. Uh, he did apologize on social media for his comments. So, obviously... Well, his comments were just stupid. Yeah, I know. I mean, you didn't break the law. You didn't... He couldn't care less what anybody thinks of his comments. Clearly, the, the, the Bob Hagen or whomever got with him, maybe through the owners, like, you, you got to... You got to say something or tweet something here that you didn't mean. It. Yeah. So that and but he doesn't care. So his tweet is shallow in that he doesn't care. Right. So what you're reading actually doesn't matter. Uh, Marcus Morris, who cares? Number two. Anybody that has him on their fantasy team cares. There's no doubt about that. But no. I anticipate he won't be. He won't be suspended. Yeah, we um, um, functionally employs Marcus Morris to score. <laughs> Full tw- disclosure. To score twenty and change, hit four. It uh, again. Back no to, social commentary, just making buckets. Back to 2014, and certainly not diminishing the inexplicable thing Adrian Peterson did. Okay? Yep. We call his games. 
If he's on your fantasy football team, you root for him to score. And we don't ask these guys to babysit our kids. Yes. End of story. I got you. Number two. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater down in Miami taking in Super Bowl 54 festivities. Most would know, maybe if you're Vikings fans, you keep up with Teddy. You still like Teddy, that he's a free agent into 2020. Uh, Here he is, I believe, with Doug Gottlieb down in Miami talking about why he chose to back up Drew Brees and stay in New Orleans instead of maybe taking a starter's job a year ago. Just at the time, you know, um, I didn't want to make a decision with my heart. Um, you know, I'm a local guy. I'm from Miami. Yeah. You know, I love Miami, but, you know, at Could the same started time, there. I'm, I'm a businessman, and I make decisions with my mind, and I think things through rationally. And uh, I just felt like New Orleans was the best place at the time for me to just continue to grow as a player. Um, I was 26 years old, still have a lot of football left in me. So I told myself, man, if you know I go back to New Orleans, I can continue to just be that sponge and just soak up the game from Drew, from Sean, and that quarterback room, that offensive staff, and you know be a part of something special. Because um, the way we lost the year before to to the Rams, you know, you just wanted to come back and and, and be a part of that, that that environment again. And I had the opportunity to play five games this year. And, yeah, sorry for beating you in overtime down in the down in Bayou again, Teddy. That's uh, two tough years in the playoffs, uh, unceremonious exits for the Saints. And Diggs mocking that that Teddy Bridgewater chopper thing, yeah, right in front of Sean Payton. That that's a fat L for the day. And I know he plays for the Vikings, and he's Mister Miracle. But he wasn't doing that at Sean. Well, yeah, but he was doing it at Teddy. You just don't do it. Why do something like that? Why mock somebody else's celebration? Then the next week you get your ass kicked by a team that might win the Super Bowl. Hey, I, I understand, and, and I am I can be as frustrated as anybody given some of the, the antics and various things, helmet throwing, all of that. Passion, he just wants to win, all of that excluded, included, whatever. Yeah, I, I just I didn't see it that way, but I, I know what you're saying. But ultimately, the point of all that, PA, is that he's a free agent into yeah. 2020. He's going to be a topic of conversation among quarterbacks joining new teams and new life and new starting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about Teddy and his opportunities into 2020. Well, I'd like him on my team. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Vikings go sign Teddy Bridgewater, but I wouldn't mind Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback of my team. Yeah. I mean, it's we 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 have to look at in my opinion. You 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 have to look at the way the cats are being skinned these days. Okay? So now, you know, even though Nordo and News Du Nord yesterday had Philip Rivers playing for the Edmonton Eskimos in the Canadian Football <laughs> League next year, Philip, so big time pocket guy. Yeah, uh, Brady, love him, pocket guy. Rogers, he moves, doesn't move as well as he used to. It's just, just it's getting a little different, but he can be a pocket guy. Breeze, true pocket guy, all fantastic quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, pocket guy. You just you need somebody who can subtly move. You can he can either move or subtly move. Cousins is subtle movement guy with the boots and stuff like that. Um, I like Teddy. Um, I think um, I, you know. Uncle Norv Turner, uh, Norv Turner, the former offensive coordinator for the Vikings, two-time Super Bowl champion with Dallas, he's the guest at about 11.20 today with Super Bowl stories. So, you know, not exactly knowing the who, what, where, when, or why with, with Norv and his Carolina Panthers situation, thus the ability to talk about those who have not hit free agency yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask him a little bit about Teddy and just his skill okay. set and stuff like that. But my long play here, Con, is I wouldn't mind Teddy Bridgewater being my quarterback. He can throw when undefeated with the Saints, and he can move a little bit too, and he's smart. I dig it. Teddy's cool, man.
10.55, Corzo Covenant around the corner. That's Eric Nordquist leading News Du Nord. And I'm Paul Allen from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. It's 9 to noon. Good morning. It's PA. Two people been washed in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, and it's me and Prince. All right? Weekdays, 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. A-A-U-A. An argument is ensuing, but it's a low-key argument. Already? Yours truly is of the non-confrontational variety. Uh, but um, I do like um, I do like chatting basketball from a nerdery standpoint with this guy. Corzo. Scott Korzanowski, Barrister Trained. It's the new age of the Barrister's Brunch at FM 100.3 KFAM. Uh, you can listen to... E Corzo likes Sunday mornings to the Lionel Richie tune with the Commodores. Easy. Uh, it's 8 a.m. on Sundays, correct? Correct. It's 8 a.m., man. It's S Corzo, Corzo with a K, S Corzo 60 via Twitter. Follow him like uh, the 9 to Noon production does. Barrister by morning and night. And sports loving Rube the rest of the day. And he joins 9 to Noon in studio whenever he has the opportunity. Now, it's um <clears throat> I would like the Wolves to trade for D'Angelo Russell. Okay. And I'm I'm quite aware of D'Angelo Russell's contractual situation. Exactly the same as Cat. I'm also if well, Covington would have to go and then what? Like Gorgie Jang? Well, something like that. Okay, if you want to I wouldn't trade Gorgie Jang straight up for D'Angelo Russell, but that's just me. Well, but that's great. If if well, Wiggy's part of the deal, well, if Wiggy's part of the okay. deal, I'll think about it. Okay. Well, there is that tentacle. Yep. But you're stepping on my touchdown okay, call. Sorry. Mr. Bursich, give me a second. <laughs> Here's the reason why. And I, by admission, am being a bit of a prisoner of the moment with the current state of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay? But it's fa- it's factual the way I'm laying this out. With Wiggins, who had a good run, who, who uh, you would concede had partially had a good run this year, correct? He's been better this year than he's been, okay. but he's still not very good. So yep. when he was having that run, Jeff Teague was the point guard, and the team was mostly engaged, correct? Yes, first 20 okay. games of the season. Thank correct. you. Okay, now Jeff Teague, whether you love Teague, hate Teague, want him gone, want him back, whatever. Jeff Teague, with all due respect to those on the other side, has had an accomplished career. Yes, he has. Not an all-star career, not a Bob Cousy-like career, but also has been markedly more accomplished than Shabazz Napier. Yes. Okay, so we continue. So now Teague's not engaged. He's on the bench. Now he's, now he's in Atlanta. Shabazz Napier tries hard, says all the right things, but is at best a career backup type point guard. So when you had somebody more offensively gifted and more of a true point guard with equity running the offense – what you were getting from Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and throw in one or two others, whomever you want, was better than it is now. What I'm getting at is D'Angelo Russell is such an offensively gifted guard that he commands attention when he has the ball because he'll hit four, five, or six threes on you every single game if you leave him open. New president of basketball operations wants them to shoot more threes. They're doing it now. They're not equipped to do it as much as they are now, in my opinion. 
but they're doing it. That's D'Angelo's game. D'Angelo's very good off the dribble. D'Angelo is a high, highly gifted offensive player who would command attention, it would free others around him, and he dishes enough to make others better. I think it's a no-brainer. Why am I wrong? You're, you're not wrong in the short run. If the Timberwolves had D'Angelo Russell, would they be better now than they are? Yeah. Would they maybe be able to make the playoffs if they had a full-year run with that? Maybe. But I, if I was running the Timberwolves, I am not building this team for 2020 okay. or 2021. Mm-hmm. I am building this team to win a championship. Okay, That is my objective. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I covered the Miami Heat in their first year, uh, they had, I think his name was Billy Cunningham, was running the show. Yeah. And that's what he said. Now, he didn't, he failed at it because they ended up not winning the championship until they got D Wade, you know, 15, 20 years later. Yeah. But he said, I'm not building to make the playoffs first of the expansion teams. I'm building to build a championship. Okay. And D'Angelo Russell with that contract well, wait, and his for, inefficiency. But for the Heat to win that championship, they had to sign players from that's other what I teams. Just, I said it didn't work in Miami. Oh, it, I I'm see. saying it happened what later. He did. What he did at the oh, start. But I'm saying that perspective yeah. is what the Timberwolves need. Okay. And the perspective is getting D'Angelo Russell, whose uh, true shooting percentage is below average, whose uh, win shares are pathetic like Wiggy, who is a volume shooter, non-defender, an unproductive uh, from an efficiency standpoint player at a max deal and, and adding him to he's Wiggy too. And so putting D'Angelo Russell and Wiggy and Cat on the same team yeah. will will doom you to at your best in the next four years be the eighth seed. Right. And, and that I'm not interested in that. Okay. That's the, what I'm interested in doing is saying they have one asset on this team worth keeping. Right. That's cat. Okay. And let's figure out what needs to be done. So that the cat-led team can be a championship contender yeah. before his five-year contract is up. Yeah. And- see, we Corzo, we just, we just, with all due respect, see basketball so differently. Where I'm not, I'm not old guy. Get off my lawn. Completely disrespecting analytics and everything. Okay, I believe there is room for pro football focus in the NFL. Uh, with the National Hockey League and analytics, I don't know enough about it to comment. Uh, but but the NBA, the true five-on-five pick-and-roll isolation game, is analytics, for me, do not resonate nearly as much, certainly as they do in baseball, which I think is by far the most high-end, best analytics mesh with what you see on field game. So for for with what D'Angelo Russell has done with the Brooklyn Nets, the L.A. Lakers to a certain extent, but then he got moved. With Brooklyn and now with Golden State and that collection he has around him. I don't know how much you watch him. His shooting percentage is not great. No. His, his defense is not great. No. But to to analytically, from a win-share standpoint, with the team, with the, with the group with whom he's playing, to, to use that as as part of the analysis. I, I, can I, can I, can I can let me D'Angelo Russell is a phenomenal offensive offensively gifted guard who hits a lot of threes, commands double teams, which they don't have now, and I don't care what per win share or analytics you hit me with, that's fact. Well, to me, I, I'm I like to watch games too, and I like to see teams that win games. Yeah. And so when, you're saying the Warriors with Eric Pascal, a second round pick no, playing thirty let minutes me a game. I, I, did, did did they win games when he at, when he left the Nets, they got better. 
Okay, uh, he's not a he is a Wiggins Jr. But they added he, Kyrie. He, Irving. You, you can watch Wiggins. The yeah, they, well, they, they're better without Ky- Kyrie. I would put Kyrie in this conversation too. I would not want Kyrie yeah. playing with Cat either. And I, I think you're laying too much on the analytics. And no, not- no, I'm not laying on the. I'm I'm laying on. I want players that can comp that are winning players. And I'm going to give you. An, I mean, go look at the players on Utah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does anybody mention Rudy Gobert as being a great player? Yeah. Rudy Gobert to me should be is the third in 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 MVP voting this year. Okay. okay. But you don't see that publicly because and and I just ask you go look at the win share leaders. Yeah. Just go look at them, who they are. Yeah. Okay. And tell me if it's wrong on on judging any of those players. It is a good metric that that number one Harden, number two Giannis, number three Doncic, number you know Cat's like eighth. Yeah. Now, here's my plan. Cat is a really good player. But how do you answer the question of his last 15 games, they haven't won a game? They, they, they were in a losing streak when he went to the bench. Then they won like five games when he wasn't playing. And then he comes back and they've lost another 10 straight or whatever the number is. Yet Cat is great. So what is the, the problem with that, PA? What is the, and, I, and I've determined the problem is mm-hmm. this team doesn't know how to play basketball. And you can't just ask the coaches to do it. They need some. They need a leader on this team. You think D'Angelo Russell's a leader? You think he's a leader? With what happened in L.A., he got run out on a rail because he wasn't. They need somebody. They need a. They need this year's. They need the 2020 version of right. Sam Mitchell and Terry Porter right. to come in and teach Cat like Sam Mitchell and Terry okay. Porter taught KG. I agree. with That's that. That's what they need. They don't need another punk coming in. I don't want to use the punk word punk. Another leaderless player, okay, like like D'Angelo Russell, who's okay. already making a max deal and hasn't earned it. That's very fair. That's what I'm. I yeah. think D'Angelo. I like D'Angelo Russell hey, as a player. D'Angelo is. I not, like him, he's, but he's not a max guy. He's not the out, but either is Cat. So Cat is a max guy. No, he's not. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Cat on a, on a championship caliber team is a second or third option. That means you're at, a max guy. At, okay, that that's fair. And I think Cat. But I think D'Angelo's Kat, not that alpha you're coveting. Absolutely I'm agree with you Kat, on that. If Cat has the right coaching. And by that I mean, and I'm not necessarily blaming Ryan or these two new coaches. I'm saying if Cat has the right coaching and the right players around him, Cat mm-hmm. would be a, a regular first or second team All-NBA player. Okay. Okay. So he's already been third team once, I believe. Cat yeah. uh, is a top 15 player in this league, but he doesn't know how to play. He doesn't know how to lead. I'll give you an example of how he would lead. We all have been talking about Kobe Bryant the last week. Mm-hmm. And what's one of the things that stuck out, stood out about Kobe Bryant? Worked hard. And what's the other thing he did? He demanded that his teammates work hard, right? Yeah, yeah Jimmy to, did that. To the Well, Jimmy did it in a bad way. Jimmy did it, but but that's right. Jimmy, in the right way, is what Cat needs. Cat mm-hmm. comes in and thinks Wiggins is a great player. But Cat couldn't handle Jimmy. No, can't. Well, he was a kid. Kids he, in Miami can handle him, though. Well, they're don't. I'm just saying. I think Jimmy was a was an absolute terror on this team. Kobe though did it. Kobe was able to lead right. by and look. He he ruffled some feathers. But you're Michael talking about one of some the feathers. seven best players in the history. I of the know NBA. that. Well, he's not one of the seven best. One but, of the twelve. Yes, he is that. I, I would say this that. But Kobe, I'm not saying the guy coming in has to be the player of Kobe's caliber. Mm-hmm. He can be a Sam Mitchell yeah. or a, or a Terry Porter, a veteran. Who is a good player and who the and who the younger right. players will listen to? Okay, that element of Kobe. No, you're not going to find a Kobe and laying around. Advantage no. barrister with the way you laid it out. You're barrister trained. I'm not. I'm I'm flying from emotions, and I'm wanting a point guard who commands attention. 
Nobody cares, with all due respect, about Shabazz Napier. He's never going to get a double team, and he's not going to be consistent. Well, now now we could take it a step farther. You know who is a winner, and you know who is an alpha, and you know who is cold-blooded? is Derek freaking Rose. And why in the hell, with what he's doing in Detroit right now, scoring 20 a game with seven or eight assists, a former MVP, that is a cold-blooded alpha. Then why let him leave? Oh, I was 100% in favor of letting Derek Rose leave for a couple of reasons. One, I became, I really learned to respect Derrick Rose and how he became a player. But Derrick Rose is a ball-hogging scorer. A lot of teams can use that. I think Derrick Rose would be an excellent addition to a championship-caliber team to come off the bench. Because when your bench comes in, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, you remember the microwave, right? You, yeah. you remember, I mean... Benny Johnson. Yes, I mean, Derrick Rose, at, at his age and at the fact that he's always hurt, on a team that needs to be focusing on Cat, where he comes in and hogs the ball and scores, look, if Derrick Rose was on this Wolves team, would they win more games? Yes, they would. Okay? Yeah. But but Gerson Rosas made it clear at the start of the year that the objective was not to win games. Because, you know, to me, you know, you and I disagree on Tyus, but he didn't want to spend the money on Tyus. That's fine. He knew they had no point guards. He could have gotten one. Mm-hmm. I like D'Angelo Russell. I think put in the right position, D'Angelo Russell could end up being a very good player in this league. I got you. But when you've already got two max contracts on your roster and you. you're going to add a third who Wiggins, has the same problems. Wiggins would need to be part of it. Yes. Okay, well. Yeah, if I could trade Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell, Barrister. done and done. Okay, okay? Ba- Barrister. Quiet in the court, please. Barrister with all You need a gavel, I think. Barrister, with all due respect, find me a point guard who matters. Then find me a point guard for this team who has some alpha, is not a max, can pass, can make others better. And, and, and this, I mean, as stupid as this may sound, I don't care about defense. I'm not starting there. The, no, the, I, I'm the, with... the, there, everybody, I've argued this before with others. Believe it or not, back to Dirk Nowitzki, Rashid Wallace, players like that who it's like, well, yeah, they don't play defense. You know what? When the biggest games of their lives are on the line, they all can play defense. Every single one of them. Because they are so physically gifted, they dig deep, and and that comes out of them where, am I saying it's Kobe or Michael Cooper defense? No. But they all can play defense when they try. They just don't try for large patches of the game. It doesn't matter to them. I'm with you. Look, so then find me something. Look, Steve Nash is one of the all-time horrible defenders of all time. If I could have a young Steve Nash on my team, I would. So I, I'm with you 100%, PA, that defense from the point guard position is, you know, Ricky was a great defender, and, you know, Tibbs ran him out of town. That's the irony of Tibbs. He's, he's a defensive coach. Ricky's one of the best defensive point guards in the league. And he runs him out of town because he yeah. can't shoot. Okay, fine. Right. But, See, but, we disagree again. And, and and you don't think Ricky's one of the best defensive no. point guards in the league? Well, absolutely, he is. I'd have to, I'd have to to I'd have to think it out. Well, he's absolutely one of the best defensive Rick. point guards in the league. Okay, not, here, not defensive players. Here, here's in the, the deal, man. Um, I think, with all due respect, I think he's a liability in the pick and roll game. I think his steals are where they are because he jumps routes, and when he's wrong, he gives up points the other right, way. Fair enough. I so disagree. I, he, he's I, a great defensive rebounder for for a point yeah, guard. Okay. Very very good rebounder, but like this. Which, this, by the way, Marcus Carr for the Gophers, great defensive rebounder yeah. from the guard position. By yeah. the way, this Gilgis Alexander is passing all of them. Oh, yeah. he's a stud. With with he's the Kentucky, best. Kentucky. He's the, always draft Kentucky guys. He's the best rebounding <laughs> guard in the NBA. Better, yes. better than Russ, in my opinion, because Russ sets it up. Like stats matter to Russ. Maybe they do to Gilgis Alexander, but anyway. Right. Find me one then. So well, I, my point is I'm not worried about winning games this year or winning games next year. I'm worried about 
Step one, I've said it. If you want this team to get better right away, mm-hmm. step one, you've got to get rid of Wiggy. You just have to. Right. You got to. Now, if you've got to give up two number ones, no. But I think they could get rid of Wiggy for some some less lesser contracts yeah. that that are shorter or cheaper. Just move on from him. You think two, I'm shortchanging Shabazz Napier? No. You, do, do you, I think Shabazz Napier is exactly what you just. I right. respect he's better, him. He's better than Tyus Jones. I respect him. I don't think so, yeah, but I is. respect him because he plays hard. Okay, I respect him. But no, he's a non-factor in the long-term future of the Wolves either way. Okay. Okay, but I respect the guy. Okay, but he's not that great. What I'm saying is, here's the plan. Get rid of Wiggy, and the number one thing they got to do, to this is the number one thing that's going to help Cat, is you have got to get a big man here. You've got to get a big man, and I don't care if he never scores a basket. Make him powerful. They're all over the place. And make him, and put a big yeah. guy in there. You go and pick up Tyson Chandler for a year. Yeah. And let him come in and, and teach these guys, we got to be physically tough. Yeah. And if you come in the lane, you're getting my elbow. Yeah. Okay, pal? Yeah. That's what's happening. And See, like the Lakers, Dwight Howard has seen his better days ten times over. JaVale McGee, regular seasons for show and postseasons for dough. Wait till you watch JaVale block about three to five a game in playoff games, which you don't get in the regular season. But to your point, Dwight is he can be tough and, and, and JaVale can and, be and tough. And watch the Bucks. The Bucks have Jonas at the four, right? Mm-hmm. But they've got both Lopez brothers. Mm-hmm. One's offense, one's defense, and yep. they play a lot. Yeah, right. They're playing two bigs almost constantly. You're right. You know, and so forcing Cat to, to play the five yeah. is just a torture chamber for him. Okay, yeah. they've got to move him to the four, and I'm just going to harken back. It was a different game. I got you. But the Timberwolves, when they finally made their run yeah. and beat the and, and you know beat the Spurs in the standings, and they, they no no they brought in Indudy they Amy. brought in no they brought in the uh, Irvin Johnson <laughs> oh, yeah. to play center. Yeah. Couldn't score. Bigger from New Orleans. You move K, you, KG didn't have to guard Duncan anymore. Didn't have to guard the big guys. KG could yeah. go to the four yeah. on the uh, on the defensive side. Yeah. Guard guys on the perimeter and the Wolves. Irvin Johnson was a huge factor in that team going over the edge. All right, now hold on. Down memory lane we go. Just to end on a just to to end on a nostalgic positive with where you went. When when like Dirk Nowitzki and Michael Finley and Steve Nash were with the Dallas Mavericks and they were good, and Kevin Garnett was the identity here. There would be games, and of course you remember this because you're in elite basketball mind. There would be games, Michael Finley would be getting off in the first half, and Garnett would go guard him. Yep. A two guard. Yeah. Garnett would go guard oh, yeah. a two guard, and Finley was done. Oh. I mean, remember those days? Well, Kevin Garnett. My Gar- God, it used to be so much fun. Kevin Garnett could, was, could guard. The, the biggest problem Kevin Garnett had defensively, and, and Flip and company figured it out, mm-hmm. was guarding really big guys. He. When he guarded uh, Tim Duncan, he couldn't stop Tim Duncan yeah. in the post. But guess what Tim Duncan couldn't do? Stop KG on the perimeter. Yeah. They both score. Uh, so my point is you have to understand, and Cat, a friend of mine, Hoops Maven, says that the, the guy who's most comparative to Cat is Dirk Nowitzki. Did they make Dirk Nowitzki go guard fives during his career? Did they make him do that? No. 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 You've got to get Cat. He's a tremendous offensive player, and I think if you teach him the right thing defensively, yeah. I think he'd be an excellent defensive player put in the right positions. He's being used incorrectly. There, um, uh, just got an email from a cat named Dallas to the Bradshaw and Brian inbox, and this guy can't score a lick, but he is as tough as the day is long, and I don't know what his contractual situation is, but he kind of plays into what we're talking about where maybe we can end Corzo on a Sunday morning in agreement. 
Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly has been a point guard for some good teams, playing big minutes, bulldog defensive guy, natural leader, has some alpha to him, can't score more than six points a game. Though. No, I, I, I get it. He I, gets 14 next year. But again, what, what I'm trying no, to... No, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah he does. Look, and he, look Patrick, <laughs> I, Al, I, I am trying yeah. to... I you Listen to my plan. Okay, my plan is get, rid, get rid of Wiggy and get a big guy. I Patrick Beverly that. ain't a big guy. Right, He's but, an expensive, old, overrated defensive player. Barrister, with all due respect, because you are a lawyer, you are compensated to win arguments, you can't just say get rid of Wiggy. It nobody wants him at that deal. Well, I'm going to say last year clearly Gerson Rosas had a deal for him because he was wow. Gerson Rosas was ready. Who was he going to trade well, him for Jason Zucker? No, no. Listen, Gerson Rosas was waiting for D'Angelo Russell to sign with the Timberwolves. The very deal. So you to, know. So you know more than the president. Well, you don't know. Think that was true. That, that that was true. That D'Angelo Russell was ready. The Wolves were sitting there with a contract in front of them, and at the last minute, the Warriors swooped in. So, but that tells me mm-hmm. that clearly Rosas had somebody who was going to take Wiggy off his hands. That was going to cost the Wolves maybe one number one, maybe two. Yeah. But you can get Wiggy's been better this year. I got you. You can get rid of him. You might have to throw one in. I'm sorry, I'd do it. I'm, I would try to do it for less than that. Yeah. I would do that. But you could get rid of him. Yeah. Okay. And then get a big guy. Hey. Let's start building piece by piece. Cool. Okay. You're not going to get it all done in one year. When PM. D'Angelo scores forty with six threes on Jason Tatum at the Boston Garden tonight. Text me. Hey, I saw him score fifty-two against the Wolves. I watched it. I saw him. I saw him put twenty-four up on the Gophers in the first half of the game. Yeah. I like D'Angelo yeah. Russell. Yeah, when I, I just it. don't want him. I just think he's overpaid. I got you. And he doesn't fix what ails yeah. cap. And when Feng Shui needed elite field goal percentage last week, I saw him shoot three for nineteen. <laughs> so I know both sides of it. Yeah, right? you do. You do. You're the best. Thank IPA, you. a lot of fun. See you on a Sunday morning. Listen to Scott Korzanowski each and every Sunday. Uh, at 8 a.m. Stories from the lap of Uncle Norb. Super Bowl stories with Norv Turner next, but first... National Cash Contest, a new chance every hour to put a grand in your hand. Might not get paid like Wiggy, but you can win $1,000 just by listening to 9 to noon. This hour's keyword is jock. Text jock to 200-200. Text jock to 200-200. That's jock to 200-200. Might put a grand in your hand. National Cash Contest. Text message and data rates apply. It's PA. So I see Paul, and of course, sure. you know, my heart melts, and, and, and everything, every, every other part of me melts. Right. Weekdays, 9 to noon, on The Fan. The Fan. Vikings. Norv! Hey, Paul, what are you doing? Hey, Uncle Norv, it's Paul Allen. How you been? I've been good. How you doing? Pretty well, Uncle Norv. Uh, Norv Turner, it's great to uh, great to hear from you, and uh, thank you for joining us to not only chat football, uh, but uh, share some Super Bowl stories from the lap of Uncle Norv. He is Norv Turner, former Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator. Long-time friend of yours truly and the Love Covenant. And um, also a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. 
uh, having won Super Bowls 27 and 28. So some Super Bowl stories are coming up around the corner. Uh, now, uh, Norv Turner, um, how have you been? What What's new with you? Are you enjoying the offseason? Man, we got a lot on which to catch up and chat about. Yeah, I'm doing good. I had a little uh, procedure on my back. I had a herniated disc, so uh, they went in right after New Year's and uh, fixed it so it's not banging against the nerve and it's a little bit of recuperation uh keeping me off the golf course but uh i'm i'm doing really well well carrying uh carrying the onus of uh christian mccaffrey running and catching for all those yards i i clearly i see you hurt your back doing that right well he's amazing uh you know when you when you get into that class of uh there's only two other guys that have done it a thousand yards uh receiving a thousand yards rushing and you know, he's set a record the last two years for uh, most catches over a two-year period by a running back. I think it's like 217 or something like that. So it's it's pretty impressive the things he's been able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, he's just as versatile a player as I've ever been around. He can do it all. Super Bowl stories coming up shortly with Norv Turner, been in the National Football League for three and a half decades, uh, offensive coordinator here, there, and everywhere, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Uncle Norv, Super Bowl 54, the Niners and the Chiefs. What do you think of the matchup? I think it's a great matchup. I think it's interesting for everybody. There's a little something for everybody. You got, you know, the... The guy who's played the most explosive at quarterback over the last two years. You got a 49er defense that's given up the fewest big plays of any team in the league this year. Uh, you know, there's just so many storylines. The 49ers running game. Uh, how much can Garoppolo do? How much will they ask him to do? There's just great storylines, and it's uh, as as by. Everyone who's picking it, it's a it's a pick 'em game, or you know, real obviously, obviously, very, very. Uh, everyone's picking it to be a very close game. So, Uncle Norv, last season the uh, the Carolina Panthers lost to the San Francisco Forty ers I haven't looked at the box score, but I would imagine that that Niners running game was probably pretty good in that game. What do you remember about that game? Well, the the thing about it, I tell you, they uh, they came out and. And our defense had been doing a good job pressuring the quarterback and getting sacks. And they came out and they must have thrown five or six different types of screens early and, and just, uh, overwhelmed our guys. Uh, they had in the first quarter, I, I don't know, they had 280 yards or something. So they jumped on us fast and it was a long day. Uh, the, uh, with the San Francisco 49ers coached by Kyle Shanahan, you're an, you're, you're an elite offensive mind. You're, you're an offense snob. You've done it for so long. Kyle Shanahan's approach to offense. What do you appreciate about it? Oh, I appreciate, you know, it's good coaches. Uh, I think they're able to adjust to the people they have. They're flexible. And I think he's looking at the entire team as a head coach should do. And, uh, doing what's best for their team. They're an outstanding defense, uh, so they can run the ball and control the clock and uh, run the ball the way they have the last two weeks or in their in their big wins. Uh, you know, they make it very tough on the opposing uh, the, the the opponent's offense. Uh, you know, obviously, I think everyone's saying that they're going to have to throw the ball more than they have. Uh, I think they will. They have a very sophisticated pass offense. Uh, you know, Kyle's as, as complete an offensive coach as you're going to find. 
What um what do you like overall about Patrick Mahomes and his approach to the game and the way he plays it? What do you like about Patrick Mahomes, Uncle Norv? Well, you you know when you listen to these people describe him and talk, and you talk to the defensive coaches, uh, you know it's like you have to defend two players. He's he's great in the pocket. Uh, he he can sit back there, and if you give him time, he'll pick you apart. Uh, but the thing that's really scary has happened uh, against Tennessee when he gets outside of the pocket, whether he's he's rolling out and looking to throw, and he does that a lot more to the right than left. But uh, he he obviously goes either way, uh, throwing it and, and running it. And then you know Tennessee was all worried about coverage and and let him run for sixty yards. So uh, he can he can beat you in the pocket, and then he can beat you. On the edge, throwing and running. Who? Um. Uh, last one here, Uncle Norv. Super Bowl Fifty Four. Do you have an opinion? Who do you like and why? Uh, if someone pinned you down and made you, I, I just think I'd go with the Niners. I, I think uh, ultimately their defensive front, if they play at the level they're capable of, uh, they could be too much for uh, Kansas City's offensive line. Now, uh, big uh, Turner family news. Scott Turner, your son, used to be the quarterback's coach here, worked with you at Carolina. Um, Scott is the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. What? Um, um, I'll see Scott at the Combine, so, so I'll be chatting with him in less than a month myself. But, but Scott's opportunity with Washington, what do you think? I think it's awesome. I think, uh, first of all, uh, them hiring Ron Rivera uh, tells you a lot about where they are as an organization. Uh, they want stability. They, they want someone who's sound, someone who's strong. Uh, they've got that by hiring Ron. I think he's a perfect fit for the organization. Uh, and then it's exciting that Ron uh, wanted to keep, have the continuity and, and hired uh, Scott. He hired uh, a number of the guys who were on Elton's staff in Carolina, you know, he felt that group did a really good job, and they did. Uh, they've added a couple other veteran coaches, uh, uh, Ken Zampezi, to, to coach a quarterback. So Scott's going to have a lot of help, and uh, he's ready to do this job. And, you know, they've got a, a good young quarterback. Uh, they've, they've got some offensive personnel uh then I think they got a chance to have some success with. North Turner Super Bowl stories coming up soon. Former Vikings offensive coordinator, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys as an offensive coordinator, talking about his son Scott, who is the offensive coordinator, first full-time coordinating job in Scott's uh, life-slash-career. It's with the Washington Redskins. And Norv, not only as dad, but somebody who's won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator. What what do you tell your son, Scott, about full about challenges that go into full time offensive coordinating when you're new. Well, you know the challenge is is to take advantage of all your assets, and I already talked about it. I think they have a really good offensive staff, so you take advantage of that, and then uh, I think you look at the personnel that are there, and you start building around them, and then uh, you know you, you've got to evaluate where you need to get better. I think they're doing that as an offensive staff, as an as a entire staff. I know uh, Coach Rivera's doing that. Uh, and then <clears throat> you rely on the experiences he's had, and he's he's had a chance to be around a lot of really good coaches. Uh, he started off in the NFL with Rob Krasinski, and, and they put in that offense for, for Cam, and 
Obviously, it was extremely successful. Uh, you know, he's, he's, you saw it. He coached Teddy, uh, for the, for his first two years. And all Teddy did is, is win games and, and break records, all those rookie records he set. And then, uh, you know, he coached Cam, uh, while Cam was healthy. He coached Cam and, uh, you know, Cam set so many different re- single season records <clears throat> in that first year we were with him. So you rely on that, on your experiences you've had, and then, and then you put your own personal touch on it. Your uh, Norv, your longtime friend, and uh, somebody who worked on your staff when you were here, Kevin Stefanski, is now head coach of the Cleveland Browns. What do you think about that? I think it's awesome. I, I think he's, he's the perfect uh, guy for the organization. He's not going to be, uh, you know, overly affected on, in a positive way or a negative way. Uh, when things go change, there's immediate change. I think he's going to be good for that group of players. I think he'll give them some direction and, and, and settle them down a little bit. Uh, you know, he's got that great temperament. Uh, I, I think he, he'll really be good, and I, I really believe he's putting together a good staff. Norv, back in the 90s when you were winning Super Bowls, you were working with players like Troy Aikman, Michael uh, Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, Emmett Smith, and so on. Now you fast forward either through here or or your days with Washington or specifically recently with Carolina. Do, do you find there there you need a different way to work with this age of player and this age of person, you know, in the social me- uh, media era and stuff like that? I, th- I think football players, good football players want to be coached. And, uh, you already talked about them. You know, we talked about Christian McCaffrey, uh, and, and all the things he accomplished. Uh, you know, you coach, you coach him the same way you did Emmett Smith, uh, years ago. Uh, you know, LaDainian Thomason, whatever those, you know, those different things are. And, and good players want to be coached uh, i think of dj moore we we brought out of maryland who uh you know was in a spread offense and hadn't had much background as receiver uh in two years he's caught you know uh, 150 balls 170 balls uh and and we had to you know really teach him how to work and teach him how to uh compete and learn how to play receiver much like i think we did with a couple of those guys, you know, Adam and Digsy, uh, when we started off with them there in Minnesota. But guys who want to be good, they're the same as they were 20 years ago or 40 years ago. The guys that want to be good, they know how to, they want, they know how to work. Uh, they know how to commit to things you're teaching them and then they go out and perform. Super Bowl stories. You won Super Bowls 27 and 28 with the Dallas Cowboys. It, it is winning the second Super Bowl as exciting as winning the first? Uh, I think uh, the equally exciting. I think the, the number one exciting thing is is you know when you win that championship game, uh, which these two teams did a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's the, the most exciting. Hey, we're going to the Super Bowl, hmm. and then uh, that reality of hey, we don't want to go and lose. Uh, and that excitement of getting ready to, to coach in that game, uh, you know, they're, they're equally exciting. I can't imagine, uh, anyone minimizing it. Uh, you know, we played Buffalo both years and they, they were a great football team. Uh, people don't acknowledge how good they were because they lost four straight Super Bowls, but, uh, they, they have a lot of Hall of Fame players coming out of there and there's, uh, 
and there's a reason there are. So, like, you win the Super Bowl, and the locker room's crazy, and champagne, and goggles, and media, and 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 the owners, and and ancillary things. Then the whole thing's done, and it gets quiet. After you win the Super Bowl, Uncle Norv, what what do you do that night? Like, what's the night like when you win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Oh, the game! So the game has become so late. You know, the, by the time the game's over and everything, uh, you know, everyone the, the team has a Super Bowl party and and all those things. And I think it's about five in the morning before the the thing ended. And I remember that that uh, second Super Bowl where in Atlanta I flew back to DC and and a, and a day later I'm on a plane to to Washington to talk to the Redskins. Uh, it just seems like it's a blur. Everything goes so fast. Uh, last one. Do you, um, uh, North Turner, I mean, you, you, from Emmett Smith to coaching, um, Adrian Peterson, be, being on the wrong side in 07 of Adrian when, when he, when the, um, he set that record, the single game record to coaching the Chargers. You think you've seen it all, Walter Payton and everything. Uh, do you think Emmett Smith is the best running back ever? You know, it's, it's, I think it's impossible to put that tag on. On anybody because it's personal preference. Uh, you know, he's, he's the leading rusher of all time. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying he's the best running back ever. I recently watched a, a clip of, of his, all his runs or his big runs, uh, during that period I was there, 91 through 93. And it would, you watch some of those runs, uh, people forget how good he was, uh, particularly when he was young. Uh, he's, I think you could you could make a case for him, but you could make a case for a, a bunch of other guys. It's it's uh, been a, one of my thrills to be able to say I've coached so many of those great running backs, uh, guys that are Hall of Fame guys, guys that have led the league in rushing, guys that have gone over 2,000 yards, uh, total run and pass. I've been lucky to be around some amazing guys. Great covenant catch-up. Tell, uh, tell all of your family I say hello, and um, I hope to see you soon, okay? Absolutely. Good talking to you. See you, bud. Uh, Norv Turner, Super Bowl stories with uh, Norv on the 9 to Noon Show. It's PA. I can't even believe it! They stink so bad you can't even make it up! Weekdays 9 to Noon on The Fan. To listen to The Fan. I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow might very well be too late I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow I got a little little late in this uh, final hour for that I apologize to the constituents um, who care Because 9 to noon had spirited chats Corzo got into an argument with a lawyer. Of course, I lost. Uh, stories from the lap of Uncle Nor, um, like that. Uh, he, um, I'm ready. I, um, yeah, I'm ready for tomorrow. The Friday football feast. Paul Charchian in studio. Super Bowl conversation in depth. Probably ten thirty until the end of the show. Does Corzo count those segments where he wins arguments as like a billable hour? Are you going to get a <laughs> get an invoice? Yeah. No, I. I here's the deal: is is if he was here for twenty minutes, yes, he's four sixty an hour, right? Um, so I'm like, we can either do it this way. I can either give you no money and continue to give out your Twitter handle because I know Twitter matters to you, or I can give you this hundred dollar bill, kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. 
he took the latter. Okay. Um, but and and I'm not I'm not going to regurgitate the argument or whatever because I just you know maybe maybe next week we'll we'll we will take some of the things that were said there and we will segment it with you and I. When, it, when there are just a few things that he said that that I would just like to have more time on which to elaborate, but, but absolutely couldn't care less about it. Uh, Friday football feast tomorrow. Super Bowl predictions uh, required. Yours truly has the hay in the barn. I'm ready. I feel good about it. And uh, Paul Charchian will come in with his Super Bowl prediction. Uh, we have a props bet, a uh, little pool that uh, that we are doing for entertainment purposes only, just to establish elite football mind cred. Uh, that is tomorrow. Chad Greenway's in studio. And uh, it'll be the Friday football feast before SB 54, Super Bowl 54. A year, Con and I were not on Radio Row again. The only Radio Row we've done was after the Philly flop uh, with the Philly Super Bowl up to the victory over with the Philly Special against New England. And this is this this is the year that I wish we were there. Because um, it's Miami? It's Miami. And the way things ended for the Vikings, we couldn't breathe because Stefanski leaves. We had to jump right into the What's Next program. We needed the Clevelander. We needed yes. Pastels, Art Deco. We needed like South Beach. If we had the seven stages of Vikings-related grieving, then I'd be like, screw the Super Bowl and everybody else being happy. But we didn't have it. Uh, but we have each other. And yes. honestly, there's not really much that matters more. Paul Allen, Brian Heating and Cooling Studios, FM 100.3, KFAN. Eric Nordquist, I mean, Mad Producer Rep Show. Thanks to Metropolitan Ford for sponsoring the 9 to Noon Show. Raps, Metropolitan Ford, Eric Bjorgard, everybody associated. We thank you for sponsoring the next 45-ish seconds of commentary. P.A. here, Norv's voice. He's so happy he could kiss him. Stories from the lap, man, we miss him. One of the best. Get him laughing, he's a ham. Ask him about coaching Bronco Nagurski or Otto Graham. He's not that old, but not new to the football hustle. Couldn't care less about trading for D'Angelo Russell. Corzo passionate, but blinded by the pretense. The biggest problem with the Wolves is just defense. Meat Sauce goes jogging, gives himself two shiners. Nine to noon with a slight lean on the Niners. Lieber rolls in chest out, saying hail to the Chiefs. Me APA's mouth watering for ground beef. Tomorrow with Charge, talkers by the ton. He'll peacock about Jimmy G and the 15 to 1 Miami takes right or wrong. They'll be accordingly spun. Does a ball gag and pack your breathing when you run? Football feast. No! Hold on to your butt. Personal foul. Clipping. Today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFAN.com.